Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you are joining us for our recap and discussion of The Dark Tower, Book 7, The Dark Tower. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is going to be... Hi, Evan. This is, uh, oh, my God. Oh, God say thank you. We finished God say it. thank you. We're there. We're just going to go straight into the recap, everybody. Let's just... You know what we're doing. If, you're, if you've made it to Book 7 episode seven with us we don't need to do the intro let's just do the recap we're gonna we have a lot to talk about let's go let's go the book begins with the cotet separated in both time and space Susanna dean is with mia in fedic delivering mordred de shane while jake chambers and donald callahan are in new york city in 1999 intent on rescuing her Roland, DeShane, and Eddie Dean are in Maine after convincing Calvin Tower to sell the vacant lot. Callahan and Jake enter the Dixie Pig to find it filled with vampires and servants of the Crimson King. Jake makes his way safely across the room with the help of the Scrimshaw Turtle. But Callahan is not so lucky and kills himself rather than endure the vampire attack. Because of Callahan's sacrifice, Jake with Oi's help, crosses through the door in the kitchen of the Dixie Pig, successfully navigates the mind trap, and enters Fedek. In Fedek, Mia, her body now physically separated from Susanna Dean, gives birth to Mordred DeShane, the biological son of Roland DeShane and Susanna. The Crimson King is also a co-father of this prophetic child, so it is not surprising when baby Mordred's first act is to shapeshift into a spider and feast on his birth mother, turning her into a lifeless husk. Susanna shoots, but fails to kill Mordred. She manages to eliminate the other agents of the Crimson King and escapes to meet up with Jake at the cross-dimensional door beneath the Dixie Pig, which connects to Fedek. Back in Maine, Eddie and Roland call John Cullum and convince him to head to New York City to find Moses Carver so they can found the Tet Corporation together. They then travel back to Midworld through the door behind the 19th house on Turtleback Lane. Kara laughs. The Tet is reunited in Fedek. They find their way to a door that will take them to Al Ghul Ciento with the help of the robot Nigel, who has also been helping Mordred find food. Walter, the man in black, approaches Mordred, hoping to use the sigil on Mordred's heel to enter the Dark Tower. Instead, Mordred is able to enter Walter's mind, which allows him to paralyze and consume the man. The Gunslinger's Cotet comes to Al Ghul Ciento in order to set the Breakers free and protect the Beams. They are met by a group of Breakers, friendly to their cause, including Shimi. Roland's old friend in Magus. Roland quickly establishes a plan. On the day of the attack, they light several of the buildings on fire and approach the town from different directions in order to create the illusion of many people attacking at once. The battle goes in favor of the Tet until the very end when Pimley Prentice is able to mortally wound Eddie. Eddie's last words are a warning about a being named Dandello. While Susanna stays behind to bury Eddie, 
Roland and Jake Chambers return to the Keystone world to save Stephen King's life. The pair recruit Irene Tassenbaum to drive them to the scene of the foreseen accident. Jake jumps in front of the speeding van and gives up his life to save King's. Roland buries him along the side of the road, and Tassenbaum says she will return and plant a rose on his grave. Tassenbaum and Roland drive to New York City to see what became of the Tet Corporation. In their absence, the company has flourished. Moses Carver tells his story and returns Aunt Talitha's cross to Roland. Roland and Oi return to Midworld through the door in the Dixie Pig. Roland comes back to Fedek, and he, Oi, and Susanna take a passage under the castle in the mountains. But they are pursued by a Todash monster. They manage to fend it off by lighting bones using the sterno that Susanna had previously found. When they come out of the tunnel, they find themselves in the Badlands, where they endure intense cold wearing clothes ill-suited to the cold weather. They come upon Le Casa Roy Rus, where they encounter Rando Thoughtful, the Crimson King's Minister of State. Thoughtful is initially disguised as three separate variations of Stephen King, but tells of the Crimson King's last days in his castle, after his glamour is revealed. After ordering his servant to commit suicide in front of him and smashing the wizard's rainbow, he commits a violent suicide using a spoon and continues toward the tower as an undead creature. After leaving the castle, Roland and Susanna hear a scream in the distance. It was the sound of Mordred Deshane eating Thoughtful. What's left of the Tet comes to the white land of Empathica. There, they meet an older man in a pleasant dwelling who calls himself Joe Collins. He nearly kills Roland Deshane, Susanna Dean, and Oi while feeding on their laughing response to his comedic stylings. They are saved when Susanna accidentally swats the sore on her mouth and has to go to the bathroom to stop the bleeding. In Collins' medicine cabinet, she finds a note from Stephen King that reveals Collins' true identity, Dandello, the person Eddie had warned of. When Susanna comes out of the bathroom, she shoots Dandello and discovers a secret room where Dandello had held a man named Patrick Danville captive for many years. Despite the offer from Stuttering Bill, Collins and Danville's robot caretaker to take them to the Dark Tower on a powered sled, Roland decides to continue on foot. Susanna, who has been haunted by dreams of Eddie and Jake, decides to try and leave Midworld and find them. She recruits Danville to draw her a door to leave. She shares a tear-soaked goodbye with Roland before going through the door. Mordred Deshane attacks Roland's camp the last night before Roland would reach the tower. Hearing Oi's barks, Roland wakes up in time to save himself and kill Mordred. Unfortunately, he was not in time to save Oi's life. Oi's haunting last word is Olin. Finally, Roland reaches the field of Kanka no Rey. What follows is the final battle between Roland Deshane and the Crimson King. The king is locked outside the tower on a balcony and can only throw sneeches at Roland while waiting for him to be drawn to the tower. Roland's secret weapon is Patrick Danville, who draws a picture of the king and uses a combination of dye from rose petals and Roland's blood to color the king's eyes. 
After the picture is complete, Danville erases everything except the eyes, and Roland is able to approach the tower safely after bidding Danville to head away from the tower. Roland shouts the names of the fallen comrades and loved ones he has met along his journey, and enters the tower. In the epilogue, we see Susanna step through the artist's door and into New York City. One of Roland's sandalwood guns has rusted through, and Susanna tosses the gun into a dumpster. She meets Eddie and Jake, who are now brothers with the last name of Torin. Neither one remembers their adventures with Susanna, but Eddie is already in love with her. Stephen King assures us that a dog named Oi will later arrive in New York to join them. In the coda, we observe Roland climbing the tower at long last. The rooms in the tower all depict scenes from Roland's life, and each has a distinctive smell. When Roland reaches the top, he sees the Mohane Desert. He is sucked through, his memories fade, and his quest begins anew. This time, however, Roland finds himself equipped with the Horn of Eld, the one he had lost before. This appears to be a hint that things may yet change and that Roland may eventually find redemption. The book ends the way the gunslinger began, with the line, The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. I don't even know where to start, man. <laughs> yep. I don't uh, well, I know where to start. We're gonna start at the end. We're gonna start at the end because that's what I wanna know about. This is your first time getting to the end of this series. It's what anybody else reading this who's read it for the first, second, third, whatever time, they all wanna know. Chad, what did you think of the ending of this series? I went through shockwaves where every ripple that went through me and every time I thought about it again, my opinion changed. I started not liking it. And yeah. now that I'm 40 shockwaves deep, I <laughs> love it. Okay. And cool. I think it's one of the most clever and unique ending to any story that has ever been written and I've ever read. Like this story is amazing. It's way more than I thought it was. And if there's anything, I can get more into this later, but if there's anything, any story that is actually original, this is it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every aspect of it. There's nothing like the Dark Tower at all. Like, no, I, I couldn't make a recommendation video of books that you should read when you're done with the Dark Tower. It's just it's done, and now you're gonna go read other stuff, and you will never read anything else like it ever again. Nope. Do you have any questions about like what anything means, or do you have any ideas about like what's what's your thought okay, process? I, oh, this? I got a I got a whole yeah. theory. Okay, okay, so let's hear it. On this being like like I never really just like finish this thought i never really say like oh you need to read this or else your understanding of a genre is incomplete like i'm not a you need to read the classics you know you're missing something this is the this series is the closest i've ever come to being like you need to read this or else you're <laughs> missing a piece of the fantasy like genre yeah and absolutely. all written works <laughs> <laughs> it's important okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's so, go back to the question I asked for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the ending. Uh, to the uh, ending here. Okay. I think this is the second to last trip. His like. I don't think this next trip through will be the last one. I think it's the second. Oh, to last interesting. One. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go expound on that, please. Elaborate okay. on that. Please. Okay. 
So this one, I think that we just read about was like the most important one or the most you know fun to listen to and read. But there's one mistake that happened. And I think that's Susanna and Roland parting ways at the end. Interesting. I've never heard book. that theory before. I think okay. the final time that he goes through the tower, that he goes to the tower will be with Susanna by his side the entire way. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think because uh, I, I think the final lesson that he needs to learn is that he doesn't have to be everything for everyone. He doesn't have to be alone at the end. He needs to accept the help of another and proceed. So I it's have like never a, heard that theory before. That's so interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, nice. I've heard a I'm ton stoked. of them, but yeah, not that one. Yeah, because yeah, he. I was very, very disappointed with Susanna leaving him right at the end. I just thought it was weak and. It did feel kind of like she was for her. It's not it's not quite out of I mean she wants to go she wants to get out of there and if there's a chance that she can see Eddie again, then she's gonna take it. That's at least how I looked at it. But it did seem kind of like odd, like especially on a first read through. But at the same time, like Susanna, I feel like knows that Roland has to go. And this kind of feeds into your uh theory as well but like i think in this at least in this turning of the wheel of ka in this journey that roland is taking i think that susanna knows that he needs to do this one alone you know like some part of her just knows that it's she's done you know what i mean and like right. roland doesn't want her to which i think also feeds into your theory right because like something something's telling roland maybe that she needs to be with him too that's really her. interesting because he begs her yeah he begs her to he stay down on his knees yeah and breaks and she's her like heart i don't want to remember so. you like this yeah and so you know he needs to learn that that he doesn't need to do it but you're right he does need to go through it one more time alone um in order to learn that lesson you know he needs to yeah, he needs to repeat this. Oh, and I think the correct the thing that he's going to correct on this next time through is sacrificing Jake in the and Suzanne. The gunslinger. Yeah, or, yeah, the beginning sorry. of gunslinger. I think um, he won't do that maybe this next time. And then he won't separate with Susanna. Or maybe I'm wrong, actually. He won't. With Susanna there on the final time through, they won't encounter that. She will be there to protect Jake or something. That won't happen, you know? Mm. Okay, so that's a good theory. Do you want to hear mine? Thank you. Because <laughs> yes, oh, I want, definitely want to hear yours. Okay, cool. So, um, so the way that I'm looking at it is, uh, it's kind of in line with what you're saying. Like this, but this is like a this is a redemption story. This is this is Roland's curse, right? Like right. Roland made some really terrible decisions, and then he went on to go find the tower. You know, he he killed his mom. Uh, Susan Delgado died. Uh, partly because of him but not really because mm. of him but you know uh alain and cuthbert and jamie decurry or whatever his name is died death follows him yeah exactly and a lot of it was not necessarily his fault but wouldn't have happened without him right away uh so like okay so there's a couple things here so did you notice that he had this horn with him this time yeah so that is kind of like in my opinion stephen king's way of saying this time it's going to be a little bit different this is going to be maybe the one where he actually breaks this cycle. Now, see, my theory here is that Roland was never actually supposed to go to the tower at all. Roland is supposed to save the tower by freeing the breakers. And if you'll notice, 
nobody in that quartet dies until right when the breakers are freed, like right when they disrupt that whole process at Algo Ciento, right? As soon as they do that, Eddie gets shot in the face. And they can all kind of feel it too, right? Uh, right. Kamai or Kame or something like that. I can't remember Kashum. exactly. Kashum, thank you. Uh, so they can feel Kashum. They can feel it kind of happening. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie dies, and then Jake dies, and then Susanna leaves, and then Oi dies. Like all within not very much time at all, right? Dominoes. Like Roland, in his obsession with the tower, is going to continue killing the people that he loves until he can get over this obsession, <laughs> right? And that's his curse. That's his burden to bear, is that he cannot possibly until after a bunch of different turnings of this wheel finally figure out that he is not supposed to be sacrificing things for this ending and this is really key here for you chad and for everybody else listening i think that this is a message from stephen king this is why he wrote the ending the way that he did it's because much like with how sanderson put it in uh stormlight archive journey before destination it's about the journey you can't focus on this endpoint all the time it can't right. be your only reason for doing things and it is on this journey on this turning roland repeatedly lets things fall literally and he 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 has a, a love for these people but it's not enough it's still there's still a disregard for that love in his search for this tower that he doesn't even he doesn't even know anything about it he doesn't even know what mm-hmm. it is you know he just knows that he he wants it he, he wants to get there he wants to get to that ending much like the reader the reader wants to get to that ending right and it might not be the ending that we want which is why i think it's i agree with you it's such a brilliant ending because so many people were pissed off about this ending and i'm not saying that your feelings of being upset about the ending are invalid because it makes a lot of sense because it feels kind of like a it was all a dream that this didn't mean anything but i think that there's more to it than that and it's that we as readers and we as consumers of media are obsessed with resolution we're obsessed with endings we cannot enjoy a story unless the ending is as perfect as it can possibly be and it's ironic because this is by not being perfect right yes and it's so right. fucking brilliant man it's so good and not to mention not to mention every time you reread this story that's the point of the story right like mm-hmm. every it's you're supposed to reread it you're supposed to go on this journey just like roland does like over and over again so I, that's one of the reasons i was so excited to reread this story is because i was doing what the ending wanted me to do i was doing what the story wanted me to do it's that's why it really is in my opinion like one of the best endings to any fantasy series ever while still staying infuriating like that's i mean even the first time i read through it i I felt a lot like you did you know because i remember you texted me and you were just like what the hell was that yeah i was like okay yeah and (laughs) and it does take you know a little bit you have to kind of digest it for a little bit and i'm not i hope that doesn't sound i hope it doesn't sound patronizing but i'm like if you really think about it that's not like what i'm trying to say it's just at first yes it's very frustrating but then it, it really starts to kind of click into place and to be fair, it's a show Steve, not tell of the whole point. Right. And Stephen King in the coda, <laughs> yes. in the beginning of the coda, he says, 
Yet some of you who have provided the ears without which no tale can survive a single day are likely not so willing. You are the grim, goal-oriented ones who will not believe that the joy is in the journey rather than the destination, no matter how many times it has been proven to you. You are the unfortunate ones who will still get the lovemaking all confused with the paltry squirt that comes to the end of lovemaking. You are the cruel ones who deny the gray havens a lord of the rings reference are you kidding me where tired characters go to rest you say you want to know how it all comes out you say you want to follow roland into the tower you say that is what you paid your money for the show you came to see i hope most of you know better want better i hope you came to hear the tale and not just munch your way through the pages to the ending for an ending, you only have to turn to the last page and see what there is writ upon. But endings are heartless. An ending is a closed door no man or many can open. Dude, it, he told you. He told you before he told you. It's a warning. Like It's, it's like beautiful. Him, it's like a writing, really tongue-in-cheek warning because he knows. Like Obviously, he knows people are not going to not read the last. I bet nobody who's read this series has stopped where he suggested that you stop. And it's no. so funny because he knows writing it that you that you're going to keep going but it's very like this could be the end like Susanna and Oi and Jake meeting in New York drinking hot chocolate and living a life together could have been the ending of this and the Roland ending. just going into the tower because that's the it Roland just going into the tower is the ending that Roland wanted right right it's not the ending that was it was supposed to be it just keeps wrapping in on itself man right like and life every, is never what you want it to be you know no, yeah like ever. you said it keeps wrapping in on itself uh i love that you read that part right there i literally also have that paragraph in my notes it's so wonderful and i love the i love how he how he relates to the love making it's like it's kind of gross like with anything stephen king does with the Gotta sexual make it a little bit gross you yeah know? you know it's like the squirt at the end but it's also like <laughs> paltry very squirt. yeah it's like <laughs> yeah it's kind of like uh like Alan Watts said, you know, like the 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 point of going to see uh, a symphony is not to hear the end of the symphony. It's to hear the whole thing. Like if you wanted to go see the end, you just go and there'd just be a cymbal player and it would just be, you just bang his cymbals <laughs> together at the end. And then that would be the end. And then you went and saw it. You know, that's not what it's about. It's a dance. It's the whole mm -hmm. thing. It's the, it's, it's like when you're dancing, you're not trying to end up somewhere. You're just dancing. You know, right. you're moving around in circles, you know, a square we'll or whatever. That. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder sometimes about, um, like, have you seen, have you seen Twin Peaks? Have you ever watched that show? Um, no, I never have. You should watch Twin Peaks. I've <laughs> it's, been told that before. There's a theory with Twin Peaks that, um, and if you're listening right now, uh, you don't have to have watched Twin Peaks to understand what I'm talking about, but David Lynch did a really cool thing. In my opinion, this is the theory that a lot of people have with it, is that he made an incredible first season of television. It's awesome. The 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 first season of Twin Peaks is excellent. Then, then it goes into the second season, and the second season is really good too. And then it's bad. It's like a, it's, it's, it's shitty. It's not a good show towards the end of the second season. And I've heard this theory that, and if you're listening right now, um, and you want to ex expand on this in an email or something, I'm totally into it because I love Twin Peaks, but David Lynch also had a problem with audiences demanding to know who killed Laura Palmer. They didn't, it, they had to know, you know, and he was just trying to make a good TV show. He was trying to make something that was different and had a different vibe to it. It was it was telling a story about this town 
you know, and these people in this town that are affected by this event, it doesn't really matter who killed Laura Palmer. Like what matters is how it affected everybody. Right. But everybody was so damn like persistent about finding out who killed Laura Palmer. And then he left the show and the show got really (laughs) bad. You know, and then there's a bunch, there's like Firewalk with me, and then the third season and stuff. And then this, he comes back, and they, but it's just, you know, that's another good example of that, too. Where, like, I imagine Stephen King maybe felt a little bit like I imagine David Lynch felt, or just like he's been writing, uh, Stephen King had been writing this series for so long. And so many people had probably emailed him or, or sent him letters saying, I need to know, like, you're taking too long to write these books. I need to know what's in that tower. Right. It was just like Roland. And he was like, this, I'm so sick of this. Like, I, I, it's, it's about the whole journey. It's about the characters. It's about the interactions that they're having together. The ending is important for sure, but sure. it's not everything. It's definitely, right. definitely not everything. And it's not worth getting upset about usually either. That's why when I, whenever I read books and review books and stuff, I, I tried to not really like hang too much on like how everything shook down because um, a, a really good example, and this is not spoiling anything, but the end of um, the end of the Poppy War trilogy by RF Kuang, I am not a fan of that ending at all, but I do think it works. I think it's a very, it's a, it's an appropriate ending, you know, and an ending doesn't have to always be satisfying. It doesn't always have to be this thing that like ties everything up and, and snips all the loose ends off. And it's just like this perfect, yeah, it's like this perfect package for you because endings aren't really ever like that. Most endings aren't like that. I mean, they're messy. They're messy. Definitely. I mean, it just so happens that in this, his calling out of how messy endings are is a pretty goddamn good ending. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's like you can, it just gets so much deeper the more I think about it. like the tower itself, the name of his series is so clever because it's about the dark tower. No, it's not. It's about everything besides the tower. And what is the tower really? Like the, the faces of all the people are like built into the stones of it. It's like the tower itself is constructed of everything else throughout the whole course of the story. It's like this level is this universe, this level, like the tower isn't the tower it's everything else it's like in its own building blocks scream i am not the point the end is not the point the journey is the value where the value is i really like what you said about roland suffering for the death and making up for the death of that he brought about right so like yes the ending was horrific but it's like wonderful because a lot of the people and things that roland killed deserved it but death, like yeah. even for the greater good, is still an evil that must be balanced as the world seeks equilibrium. Roland, he's only suffering for as much suffering as he kind of deserves. And like none of us in the end can escape the balancing of the scales that will be had. Like Ka, the universe, life, fate, God, essence, whatever you want to call it, like will get theirs. <laughs> It will settle every score, you know? And so the ending is so appropriate and that like it sets him on another loop, but it's not an infinite loop. No, it's it's not. It's really important that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And this time he had earned the horn, his sigil. So if he plays his cards right, this next time might be the end. I don't think that it will be, uh, but he's very close, you know? And finally, he will achieve peace. He will arrive at the um, meadow in the end of the trail. And I, and I don't think the, Roland the is alive at the actually. end of the path. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Roland is, the end of the trail. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
I think Roland's first loop started when he died. When he died? Yeah. When did Roland when, die? We don't know. But I mean, oh, when did he, he? Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I don't think okay, he's living yeah. at all. I think he's kind of jaked. Interesting. I never really thought about that either. Because, like, how does he get to the beginning? We never learn. Get the begin to the Mohane Desert and the yeah, the... exactly. He just like always starts there. Um, I'm not sure. I'm wondering if it's covered in went through the keyhole, but I don't think it is. But I've been huh. reading went Ooh. through the keyhole, and I'm like a little bit. I'm almost halfway through it, and uh, it doesn't seem like this. But it does take place after, like the story that Roland's telling in went through the keyhole is. It takes place after he kills his mom. Um, mm. but I don't, it doesn't look like it's gonna quite line up. So yeah, I'm not really sure, but everything you just said, I mean, like, uh, with, in regards to his redemption arc, so to speak, uh, I mean, it's written here in the very first page of the, before the first page, you know, each book yeah. in this series has its own like letter R like word. And this one has four and it's reproduction, revelation, redemption, and resumption. This, this universe is an infinite one, but it's also a linear one. It's like the ultimate treaty on treatise. I don't know how you say that on um, world building, right? Because like at the basis of every world that any creator, author, whatever has built, you kind of have to decide, is your universe an infinite one or is it a linear one, which has a beginning and an end? And Stephen King said, no, no, I shall not take either of those paths. I shall clear what's between them and make one big path like he just <laughs> he made his own thing like it's so fresh it's so original i had another theory about roland uh the first time that i finished this and i don't think that this is true but i thought it was interesting at least um but I, the horn kind of like negates this theory that i had which is funny because i was kind of operating on this theory for a while and i just like forgot about the horn i guess um but my initial theory after finishing this book for the first time was that roland as the last gunslinger has been kind of assigned to co continually keep up the tower's beams. You know what I mean? So that mm -hmm. the tower would like kind of stay uh, intact ad infinitum. You know what I mean? Like just forever. <laughs> sure. Roland would always, Roland is just assigned as like this guardian of the tower that's always going to trek through and save the beams and save the tower and everything. But that doesn't really work. You know, it doesn't, it's just not as, nice of an ending and it's cool because i kind of thought that up until i started this again and then i didn't and i you know kudos to you because you have a much more thorough understanding of this ending than i did when i read this years back and now i came to the ending and it's it's so much more now like it's so uh the reread the reread was so cool <laughs> it was yeah, amazing i, I knew I really the entire time what was gonna happen and so i was looking out for stuff too right like i was looking out there's a part in wolves of the Kala where uh eddie gets on a horse and he like immediately knows how to ride a horse you know he's like oh this oh. it's this horse right and there's just these little uh the the conversation that roland and the man in black have in the end of the first book like that is a huge hint to what's going on i mean the man in black is like and that's why in the first episode i was like what do you think about the man in black do you think he's like trying to help roland here because in a weird roundabout way you could almost make the argument that the man in black is almost like this agent of chaos that's like trying to get roland off of this path and just end his suffering for him because he's aware of what's going on with roland so he's just like you think Dude. he knows like, it's his multiple I think, times through i think walter no understands it i think he knows what's going on with roland um and it begs the question is this also happening with walter is this happening with like a lot of different versions of Walter? Is Walter trying to break this because he doesn't want to be involved in it anymore? You know, 
But I think that he had knowledge that this is what the situation was. Even at the, if you go back and read the first con that conversation in the first book at the end, when they're in the Golgotha and with all the bones and, mm -hmm. and they have their palaver, he's basically just like, man, you don't even know what this is. <laughs> this fucked. is, yeah. Like this is just <laughs> you silly, silly man. Like you're just going for it. Aren't you? Like you're just, you really want that tower. Fine. Go do it. Like, let's just do this again, man. Like, let's just, yep, here we go. Round and round we go, Jack. And, uh, that's why I like reading this again and looking out for these little hints, right? There's so many of these little, little nuggets where it's like, Oh, it's gonna do it again we're doing it again ah so good. man i i like that a lot i think i think that roland you know because roland yes he brings a lot he brings about a lot of death but at the same time he does save the tower and i think the tower you know we might think that the erasing of roland's mind and memory is a cruel thing i don't think so i think it's the tower's mercy because he's saying you saved me you do need to right your wrongs and you need to make up for the massive amounts of death that you that have followed you your whole life. But, um, you know, if you had to do that a thousand times, you'd go insane. Well, would you, though? I mean, like, he doesn't know. Oh, like, he, only he because his memory is erased. That part at the very this isn't super connected to what you're saying, but like, remember at the very end of this book when he sees the Mohane Desert and he has like this tiny moment of oh, realization. Yeah, and he's just like, no not again or what does it what does it say exactly i'm gonna look it up real quick it says something like that it's like no not again he says oh no please not again have pity have mercy so there's this little and that's horrific too by the way like oh. stephen king can't get away from the horror too because there's that little tiny moment where roland realizes oh my god this happened last time it happened so many times before it right. i'm doing it again and then all of a sudden he's in the mohane desert again but the tower does have mercy it erases his memory so he doesn't have to live with the hell of knowing this is his how many times through well and i it's interesting because the door that roland opens says roland on it it doesn't say the gunslinger it doesn't say like it says mm. roland and i also had a little bit of a working theory that like roland is walking into another roland's mind whoa like <laughs> I don't, I don't, and I, I haven't really like essence day Roland. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like the observer watching the observer watching what's going on right, almost. Right. Cool. So it's like, maybe he's in some kind of, maybe big Roland has a little Roland in prison inside of a smaller Roland or so. Like, I don't know. That's kind <laughs> oh, of, a, that's a pretty spacey theory. Matrixy. Um, so, okay. So we've covered quite a bit of the end and I feel like you and I could just really keep delving into this for a long time, but I, I want to go over some, about okay, no, no, go for it. Yeah. From it. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the Crimson King, unless there's something that I just missed about this because there's a lot going on here, but I think the Crimson King perhaps is a divergence of, is Roland at one point. And that's why yeah. he goes insane because he like, oh. didn't, he didn't carry on the quest. Oh, he knew he's was, like, he's also he trying to break everything down. Interesting. Yeah, but why would both of them so exist times? in that space though? Ah, uh, you know, there's like two eddies. Like, who knows? He just opened a portal. He came through a door one time. Oh, and maybe, the, yeah. the tower maybe, was yeah, like, I don't yeah. know, bring in another one. Because I think he did it so many times and the tower wasn't erasing his mind. Finally, he was like, this is worthless. And then like went insane. And then was like, I'm not, I'm going to, because he tries to accomplish the same thing, kind of. He's like at the tower and he's like, okay, if I can't fix it, I'll break it. I have, I'm going to pile onto this theory real quick and just kind okay. of just, I'm going to, 
Don't think of it as me dismantling it. Think of it as me adding no, please to it. Please do if you can. Uh, well, I don't like, know. So the, the way that I kind of like look at a lot of this is that the tower or Gan or the Prim or whatever you want to call it, Ka is in charge here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like Walter and the Crimson King's plans to try to undo all of this on like a on like an astral, like interdimensional level has been <laughs> futile this entire time. They don't know it. Like it's it's just players against Roland going it's Roland it's, they're part of Roland's test, but they will never best Roland, in my opinion. Right. Like the tower won't or the Ka or whatever, like won't let that happen. At least that's how I'm looking at it. I don't think that the and that that might have added to the Crimson King's like insanity, maybe, or Ooh. you know what I mean? Like how how just totally useless it would be to try to do that and like he's working against powers he has no understanding of you know like this is this is the universe like this is the turning the motion of the universe like you're not right. gonna do it it's not gonna happen you, you can't dismantle that like at least right. uh, some dude can't you know what i mean like the crimson king and he's like totally out of his mind <laughs> uh, so i really want to move on to some other points like, like the tower I, is his father uh, he has gotten the face of his father <laughs> sorry like, let's just i want to get to some more specifics because i feel like the longer we talk about the ending the spacier this is gonna get and, I wanna, and, and that's cool that's totally fine but uh you know let's uh let's let's keep making a, an episode of something <laughs> um okay so i have some questions for you okay okay so we're kind of working our way back from the be the ending towards the beginning so that's fine right totally fine my mind is still like all wrapped right. up i'm like and we're gonna we're gonna move all around but i'm just kind of hitting as many high points as i can here and this is definitely a high point or a really low point depending on how you look at it uh what did you think about eddie's death like how did that make you feel he was the first of the content to go did it seem abrupt did it seem dumb like what's what's going on in your head about that okay i i mean and it was the first point that i cried in this book, which man, I was a weepy fool throughout the course of this. It's pretty rare that a book actually brings tears to my eyes. Um, this one did it multiple times from Eddie dying and on. And just like, I didn't even know how important the story was to me or how invested I was until Eddie died. Cause I thought it would be any, I knew someone was going to die and I was preparing myself for everyone, but him to die. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like somehow I was just like totally bamboozled. Yeah, he's like the first. He's he's Roland's guy. He's like yeah. he's not necessarily second in command, but he's been there the longest. He's know? he's the first one to get drawn through. Yeah, it makes he's sense. He's the BFF. You yeah. know, I figured if there's anyone who's gonna be there with Roland to the very end, it was gonna be Eddie. And then he dies, and man, because like everyone has something to lose with him. Susanna's lover, like Jake's older really brother. Friend. Yeah, older yeah. brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, it was so brutal. And it was done. It was done in a way that is so great because it's like it wasn't during this huge showdown. They had already won. Like it was done, and then it was like life, so laze that it just like the guy's like, "I will take care of this one." Gets up and shoots him in the head as soon as he was like, "I'm gonna do it." I was like, "Eddie's dead." No. Well, it's funny because you know on my first read through, and even on this second one, I was kind of just like, "Man." I don't know. This is a little bit of a hard sell, King, because Eddie has been training as a gunslinger. Uh, if you think about it, uh, Eddie's always been a gunslinger uh, over yeah. the... If, you, if we want to get spacey again. But Eddie <laughs> Eddie is like 
very well trained i don't it just sucks that he went out like that you know what i mean like stray yeah. bullet basically not really stray bullet but you know i mean like from the guy like lying down there's like no fight in that there's no right he's uh, like i'll this, get you and then yeah dies. and then You're he like, gets Ugh. him and so i wasn't a big fan of eddie's death really like i i mean obviously because we lost eddie but i just i wasn't really a big fan of like the way it it went down you know i think it would have been cooler if they if he had died in some kind of like shootout or something um but i don't know it's there might be a subtle statement of like revenge is mine so says the tower you know like if they would have died then they someone would have been like i have to kill this thing person out of anger and revenge now and like the point is to overcome that maybe well and i'm not trying to like rewrite this for king or anything but i feel like there was no point maybe maybe i've read over it um but i don't think i did but there there were things happened like really quickly and i feel like there should have been some kind of like big conversation like okay are we still gonna go do this like roland do you still want to go to the tower and then when roland said he did then it would have happened you know what i mean because right. there was no like test of whether or not roland was going to keep going to the tower but that's that's if my theory is correct you know what i mean um so it just it felt weird it just felt like they did this thing and then eddie died you know right and ah maybe i just didn't I, want eddie to, eddie to die <laughs> i mean i agree with you it was super anticlimactic and maybe my like like revenge whatever i think it's probably a little like spacey and just trying to justify it because i want everything to fit nicely yeah. in a neat little thing that's cool um, yeah <laughs> and like you know, maybe Steven this whole is story is just Steven. this into us, dude. Maybe though, like I, I know I went on like the whole tangent about like how endings aren't important and all that stuff, but maybe this is just Stephen King covering his own ass because he wrote a crappy ending to a series. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's it. I like my, uh, I like our explanation. A lot I agree, more, but completely. I don't know. The thing that he Ruby... said he was lazy <laughs> in his yeah, own right? book. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. The thing that threw me about Eddie's death was the fact that he didn't just die. He like then comas for the next few hours with like everyone kind of moping around. And it seemed again, just like, man, you already make it anticlimactic and you're just now like rubbing it into our faces a little. But it gave Susanna a chance to say goodbye, which is really nice, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's good. And Jake, speaking of anticlimactic, while we're in, while we're in kind of like this rut of kind of, you know, digging into what we weren't super big fans of with this book in <laughs> yeah. particular we can go through the series too later if you want to but um the last battle with fucking the crimson king oh, old so, Mr. Red, yeah. i thought that was so lame like it was just so like he's with this for for one thing he's with patrick danville who just got introduced like a hundred pages ago this new guy you know like yeah it's nothing. like yeah it's just whoever i liked patrick i think patrick was Me a too. cool character it was, and it was a very um good idea to have him like this like magic artist basically that was cool that was uh, i thought that was a nice touch to everything but it's like for roland to get to the tower and none of the cotet are going to see the tower but i guess that works with the whole ending thing though no, it's it like does. The whole, ah, but he's making his geez. point too hard almost i, like, I know it's it. like we can i just it. have something like can i have somebody have a flashy sword fight yeah nothing <laughs> well i mean it's like there's explosions and stuff and that's cool but i mean really roland is fighting just like a crazy dude you know mm -hmm. he's just like yeah like there's right. not there's not really like a whole lot of dialogue or palaver if you will even though i, I thought it was cool that the crimson king was like come up here let's palaver like let's talk about this <laughs> and roland's just like no 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 no, no. we got to kill this guy right now right. i did like how roland was like shooting every single one of the sneeches like, like the out of the skeet. sky yeah, yeah that, that was, was really, really cool. yeah that was, it was a really pretty scene 
I like that touch where Roland had always envisioned himself approaching the tower at sunset. And then he kind of like realizes why. And it's because he's being held up like this. And he wasn't really expecting that, you know, like this mm. one last kind of uh, hurdle that he has to jump. And he's so tired. And he's so it's just it's been such a long journey. He's lost so many people. And now he's got to deal with like this insane person that's throwing explosives at him. Right. He's got some like weird kid with him that he just met. You know, it's, just, it's like huddled it's, behind a tree. Like, why? It's just <laughs> I think that the the patrick danville thing it just it felt like kind of i guess anticlimactic or just kind of weak that the last thing that roland does before he goes into this tower he's been searching for for so long is like tells this kid to get lost basically and it's like this yeah. new guy we've never even really spent that much time around and it's it felt weird like it just didn't feel right, okay. like as epic but then stephen king turns up the epicness by having Roland shout all the names of the people oh. that he's been in, and then his then his own name, right? That was the last like, part that made me cry. Oh my god, that was so good. It oh was yeah, like tears of epicness. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of crying, um, what parts did you cry at? Because I had a couple for sure. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. Before we move on from that, real fast yeah, sure, here, sure. Yeah. um, he. Roland, I think, kind of weakly, I agree with everything you said, but, uh, or not Roland, weakly, Stephen King kind of weakly covers his tracks where he's like, sends the kid off by Roland not just blindly accomplishing his goal. He still like keeps in his mind, oh, wait, I have another who's depending on me or who doesn't know how to live that I can help here. And so he like tells him, hey, grab as much food as you can, go do this, draw yourself a door if this one's not working. And he gives him kind of a plan, you know, because the, um, uh, the other guy, Patrick, Patrick has not um, lived outside of the uh, his little chamber for a long time. So Roland does help him. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weak. I mean, it's nice that he helps him, but it's just like, can we get can we who is this kid? Like, yeah. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> okay, What is the before moving on again from just this like setting? He eliminates all but the eyes of the Crimson King. So what part of the Crimson King is left? Like it mentions briefly that he might send him into the place between worlds. Yeah. I don't um, get that, but his eyes are still there, obviously looking with rage and hate at Roland. Yeah. I think that the eyes are there because the eraser couldn't erase the mixture of blood and flower petals. Um, oh. At least that's like how I was thinking. The it, tower it was, is forever. Yeah. It was like, um, you know, they can erase the Crimson King, but they're not going to erase all of them. And it's, I don't know. I don't know what the uh, significance really. Like, like do you think it was sentient? Scene. Those sentient eyes just floating there forever? Maybe. Yeah. I think so. Which That's kind of messed up, but yeah. Adds to my idea that it is Roland because he didn't complete his thing. It wasn't forever that he had to keep going around and around. If it would have stayed the course, he wouldn't. But because he didn't, he now has to suffer the fate he tried to avoid. That's a really, yeah, that's a really bonkers theory. And I think I need to think about that more before I... So where did the Crimson King come from? I don't know. Where did anybody come from? They're not all Roland. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everyone is Roland. Everyone is Roland. <laughs> uh, what did you think about the last scene with uh, Susanna and Jake and Oi and Eddie in New York uh, drinking hot cocoa? Because uh, when I was reading that, I couldn't read it because my eyes were so teary. Yeah. And I knew what yeah. was coming too. And... Uh, Man, that was a lot. That was really good. That was a lot. Uh, I'm glad that he threw Oi in there. Oi is never forgotten, and I really love that. Oh, yeah. Oi is part of the cart the cartet. 
I just feel like a lot of people wouldn't like include him as being like I don't know. He's just so like he gets uh, a so kiss important. on the mouth in the cave before they attack El Ciento. It's just he's he's so important. Uh, he gets yelled. He's one of the names, brave from yeah. Midworld. Like ugh. so, Even Blaine I says his name point. on the train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I cried at that man. point. I cried Eddie's death. Uh, I cried <laughs> at um, not. At this point, I was kind of like just like used, like everyone's dying. Um, but I did cry at Jake's death, and yeah, Jake's I death cr- was pretty brutal. That was a lot. Brutal. That was a lot. Yeah, man, being hit by a car, like I don't know. I I didn't really like that. Two things that I just wished would have been different happened. Yes, but been different was his the way he died, and also Susanna leaving. Roland, like in my theory of him having to go through twice more, I fit it in there. And maybe that was just me wanting it to make sense to me. But I just like I didn't like her leaving him. Um, and I cried when she when when she left him as well, because it was kind um, of a death in its own way. Yeah. Um, going back to Jake, uh, I'm not a big fan of the way Jake died either. Um, yeah, I think it's weird. Not weird. I think it's lame. Lame is a really good word. I think it's lame, lame word. that he was killed the same way that he died earlier in the series by getting hit by a car yeah and it's just like gosh i like it less now even and like ooh, we uh, it's like a final destination thing no it's not it's a completely different situation right it's a totally different car totally different state totally different driver like he's gonna make is this kid's just always gonna get hit by cars like come on man right <laughs> give him he's something gonna die else twice by getting rolled over you know and yeah uh, yeah i don't like that but i mean obviously yeah. the, the the last conversation that him and roland have and so and, and you know jake got to say goodbye to oi which is really nice and while we're talking about deaths of comets uh oi that was that was too much that was he was impaled on a stick mm-hmm. And then Roland comes over like and halfway just halfway sucked dry. Yeah, and then always just like Oland, and then he dies, oh, and it, oh, God. damn it! And it, I felt like in that Oland, it was almost like this kind of like accusatory tone. Yeah. Did you get that vibe? Oh it, yeah. It was, it was like this loving kind of context, but also it was just like Roland, you fucker, dude. <laughs> That's like like Oi is just and and it's interesting too because Oi could go with Susanna, but he chooses to stay with Roland. Right. And that's, I'm wondering about that. Like, did, did Oi, do you think Oi knew that he had to stay with Roland or did he want to stay with Roland? Like, what do you think mm. was up with that? I think Oi was taking Roland. the road less traveled. He knew he, he needed to stay with Roland. Yeah. I think he Roland knew he was to. entering the, the unknown near the end and everyone was leaving him. And Oi was like, I'm taking one for the team. Like he was presented with a live, happily ever after and he decided to stay with like oi embodies all of the character we wish we had (laughs) you know oh my god i think it was a choice of of not because he liked him more yeah i didn't get that vibe really yeah okay yeah he 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 knew he had to be with him because he saved roland's life yeah and that final that he knew that roland needed him and but the final oland was death follows you Roland, get it. Yeah, get it. Get that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, get it, man. Come on. Yeah. Like, let's. And even Eddie, to a certain extent, throughout the entire series, is just like, I'm so sick of your fucking jive, man. Like, I'm so sick yeah. of this. Like, your, your damn tower. And it's, it's like, 
when Eddie recognizes that horse in Rolls of the Kala and knows how to ride a horse and stuff, I feel like that's also kind of a nod that like Eddie knows Roland better than Eddie thinks he knows Roland. And something about the way that Roland talks about the tower. What is your theory about, about why he can ride the horse? We've heard so many theories oh, past that. I mean, I because forget. because Eddie's been here before. You know what I mean? Like Eddie's oh, been right. here before. Susanna's been here for, before. I have heard the theory that uh, he has different comments every time, but I, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. I don't think that it's the same ones every time, in my opinion. Yep. And so the way that Eddie kind of like processes Roland, um, Roland's obsession with the tower, you know, it's like I feel like it's like some part of Eddie knows that Roland is going to make a bad decision again. It's going to lead to everybody's deaths. And he does, it makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't like it, you know? Right. And, and even at the end of drawing of the three, when he's like, we're going to get there, we're going to stand true. And it's, even Eddie's just like, no, we're not. No, <laughs> this sucks. Like this You're going to is... let someone fall into a cavern again. <laughs> yeah, again. You know you so are. I didn't, I didn't realize that their mission was over at the end of the breakers. I was like, we got like Roland's drive was so infectious and he was so like, I didn't even realize that it was over at that point. You know, I thought it, I thought the death of Eddie was more of a balancing because um, Walter was killed by. And so it was like this weird balancing thing, but like, you're totally right when you said like their mission is done. And I wish there would have been a conversation that it was like, Hey, we did what we set out to do. Roland, are you going to let, your drive your like need to to answer this question um that you don't even really know what it is kill everyone you know like what if yeah and on this turning of the wheel he's going to yeah when i was doing the recap there was like that whole part like that castle where the three stephen kings come out i what was your reaction to that were you just like There was a little too much Stephen King in this book, but it's not Stephen King. Like, it's like get, a, it's a glamour. It's like it's like at the end of Contact where he's like, "I assumed the form of someone that you would know." You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't more Stephen King, but it was like more. Steve. I love how they're all wearing pea coats for some reason. It's such an odd like <laughs> yeah. visual. But yeah, what did you think about that whole part with um, thoughtful and the, the 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 three Stephen Kings and the castle and everything like that was a really vivid image in my head like it was really visually really cool but that was that was weird it was weird that was like one of the weirdest parts of the book (laughs) it was so weird and like i kind of feel like it was um king's way of just being like i need to explain some like backstory and like some other things need to be explained here before we wrap this up so here have this i guess i don't know it was odd What, what did you think about it i don't know i feel like it was kind of a way to build up the crimson king a little bit more before we got to him i think maybe it felt like it was kind of added in after the fact almost where like king got to the crimson king part in uh cancano ray and was like no one even knows who this guy is <laughs> like right. i need to at least like <laughs> like let's get like a counselor or something someone that's actually like been around him like you know right um but it is, it is a really cool part uh for all its weirdness um and it's pretty short too Mm-hmm. Um, and then like that really chilling part where they hear a scream behind them and it's Mordred and then like the conversation between him and Mordred was interesting for sure and yeah it was it was good it was good yeah I did like the wrapping up of Mordred's tale his his line there and I liked what what did you think of Mordred killing Walter did you think that was a little anticlimactic like, there's this bad guy that's really being built up and then he just ends by being like sucked like a Capri Sun without <laughs> like Roland even really knowing besides feeling it you know Oh, that worked. I mean, 
it's kind of poetic in that it's no, it uh, very it's, poetic in that it's it's Roland's kid in a way you know oh. it's like it's like Roland's offspring is gonna yeah take it out and uh, take Walter out um because I think that Walter would have been expecting some sort of like attack from Roland and it would have like been this kind of like even fight almost maybe or something but then Mordred kind of just coming in and being like a kind of chaotic element to everything and kind of like yeah. a wild card um it was i liked how king wrote mordred as like kind of watching them all the time that was cool kind of sad about it yeah he's like that kid's not doing good you know like it's not doing (laughs) okay doing good (laughs) but it was it was like a nice extra element to everything i didn't really like that he kind of just like gets to roland and then dies you know um I, I thought they would maybe have a little bit more of a palaver or like there would be something that Mordred does that's that Roland was missing or something like that, you know, like that was, was kind of made more, there. Yeah, like it kind of made Mordred more important than he was. He was still important, but um, yeah, I think that uh, Mordred kind of watching them kind of just being like this creepy, like hybrid spider presence that's all messed up it was cool it was kind of like this element of like okay when is mordred gonna show up they're gonna have to deal with this at some point is like, right and then he kills one of the comets and stuff i think mordred is pretty well used if, if not a little bit just kind of like i wish there had been a little bit more to it because it had been built up for a while Mor- it happened. mordred mordred but uh yeah i, don't yeah. Know, I think it works he's, he's the lesson also that evil always eats itself you know, like at the end huh. of the day, it yeah. can't last ever because yeah, it can't last. So yeah, that's interesting. Okay, Roland warns King right after he gets hit with the truck. Yeah, and Jake is like, which is cool because Jake tries to Roland tries to stay with Jake through his death. He's like, screw that guy, and Jake is like, no, go, like leave me in the chasm, basically, which is cool. Um, but he tells King there'll be a woman who comes your way. She'll be fair. She may speak to you about the ease and the pleasure of the clearing. She may call herself Morphia, daughter of sleep, or Selena, daughter of the moon, um, but refuse her, even if you are tempted by her eyes and breasts. Thanks, King. Who is he talking about? Like, what is he talking about? Yeah, sure. So um, in the kind of like mythos or lore from the world Roland was raised in, specifically like Gilead, uh, those two are sort of like death goddesses okay um and according to that lore they like to tempt men into the clearing at the end of the path before it's their time to go there so roland was essentially telling stephen king like look you're banged up you're really close to death right now so if you see for i mean for our purposes like a bright light say uh, oh. it's gonna it's gonna look really attractive but don't give in to the temptation to die before your time is basically Got what he was it. saying i think it was a way of king almost like telling the reader that Stephen King's life is still kind of in the balance. You know what I mean? Because I I don't think that King wanted the reader to be assured that Stephen King was okay. So I think that that was kind of like a line to to at least carry along a little bit more, um, like apprehension on the reader's part, maybe. Okay. Uh, And it's just like a cool bit of like Roland talking really cool again. You know. I just thought it was like, who are these characters that are trying to subvert the tower plan? And they're more, but it wasn't about that at all. It's like it's. It's a it's a cool thing that Roland does where he kind of like slips into his old mannerisms and high speech and stuff like that. Um, it's like when he was like yelling at that child of Roderick. I can't remember exactly what he oh, said, yeah. but he was he like commanded him, you know, and it was just like this really badass part. 
Uh, so he just kind of yeah. like slips in and out of that every now and then. And that was, I think okay. that was like part of it. I love that though. It's like reminds you like, oh, he is a, of the line of kings, you know? He's like Aragorn. Speaking of that, who, what are the child of Roderick? Who are they? Oh, um, I'm pretty sure the children of Roderick are slow mutants that kind of like wander around Midworld and are kind of like a a consequence of the tower's degradation and the world moving on. They still obey the line of Eld. Um, and then, and one of them, uh, Halas, I think was his name, uh, was pretty instrumental in stopping the breakers because he was the one that set all those sneeches out. He was the one that showed up in the cave with Shimi. Um, so they're like loyal to the line of Eld basically, but kind of got messed up because of everything that's going on. And so Roland can kind of like recognize them and they can, it's a weird part that's not explained really in the book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause it seems cool. like he was yeah. like implanted with these commands uh, not necessarily implanted, I, I guess, but just um, like ready to obey Roland and recognize genetically loyal. I guess I don't know. It's weird. okay. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I feel um, like that's a better explanation than what it deserved. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I liked the reminder that uh, he is basically Aragorn, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, talk to me about the turtle. The turtle. What is that? Yeah, not only Wait, the turtle Maturin or the the scrimshaw turtle. This both kind of like because obviously they're one and the same. Like, why does it have power? Where did Susanna get it? I forget. Okay, um, so uh, the scrimshaw turtle or Skullpada or whatever oh, uh, nice was memory, dude. Skullpada, uh was in the bowling bag with uh, what it says like nothing but strikes at midtown or midworld oh, lanes yeah, written on it yeah. like depending on where they were or whatever uh, so it was in the bag when susanna and mia came through the door into 1999 uh so i think it was put there by maturin the uh turtle guardian um who they seem to be able like these 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 bigger like powers at play seem to be able to kind of like intervene now and then um i don't really know it's just there uh, but right, I'm pretty sure like this serves the beam. I don't know. Like the source of power seems to come from Maturin, um, who is one of the guardians of the beams. Fun fact too: uh, Skullpada is actually Swedish for turtle, uh, which oh. is why the Swedish guy that Susanna and Mia met called it that, and then that's kind of like what it was referred to after that. Mm. So that's kind of like why it's called. It's like Scrimshaw Turtle and also Skullpada. Um, <sighs> okay, which is also just like. Stephen King, like, why, why you got people like meeting Swedish people and changing the names for stuff? And like, what did he do? Oh my gosh, why? Like the the Guardians of the Beams really are terrible at their jobs. A lot of this is so open ended, and people have been speculating about it for years. And so a lot of this is like, I'm gonna say the words like my theory is like a lot in this episode, and I already have, and I know that Chad's gonna do it too. So just little little footnote there for everybody, but um. Like who knows? <laughs> my theory, my theory is that uh, the Guardians of the Beam, like so, Shardik was like corrupted basically by North Central Positronics. Um, but then like Maturin is like fine, kind of. But like the beam can only work if like both ends of it are being held up, right? Uh, and I'm pretty sure Shardik's beam collapsed when they were in Calibrin Sturgis. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's the part of the that's one of the beams that did collapse. I think collapse. you're right because they were um, on the path of that one. Hmm. But Maturin, I don't think that these like uh, gods or like Kai, Kai Mei or whatever they're called, um, or Kanta, I think is what they're called. I don't know. I think it's Kanta. Uh, I I think that they have like a certain amount of influence and able and ability to uh, intervene in things, but like it's just kind of 
whatever you know i don't know i, they, I think that <laughs> it's just weird god stuff and now they have a turtle you know uh, okay whatever. okay it's just, they just do I don't know if it was weak. that beam <laughs> when they were in Colibri and Sturgis because there's a there's a thing where uh, somebody asks like was it that one and he was like no if it was the one that we were on like oh you're totally area right would be destroyed, yeah right? It, was a, it was a different it was like an adjacent beam yeah okay yeah, beam you're, adjacent yep, you're right you're right but Shardik was still like uh, totally corrupted totally corrupted it's crazy too remember I asked a question many episodes ago. This just like heard to me where I was like, what is Eddie doing where he was like at, at the Shardik scene where they destroyed all Shardik's little like robot things. And he like peers through a door or something and he like hears some like chaos on the other end. And he says something like really poetic that just pops into his brain uh, that gets like answered in this book. I'm doing a very terrible job of explaining this because I don't remember the exact words. But um, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, the part in oh. Wastelands where they see the little creatures and then Eddie puts his ear up against that like door thing. The, yeah. The, yeah, I remember that. He was, oh, and the oh, this is where I remember. He sees the other side of that door when he's in Fedic in the castle. Oh, I didn't really put that, put that together. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. He's like, huh. yeah, this is the other side of that door. Oh, that was the impression oh, I that I got. I kind of remember that. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. I think you're right yeah. about that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh wow, way to yeah. bring it back home. You know, <laughs> wow. Um. Okay. What are the Todash chimes and where do they come from? And is it just like a, a magic essence that serves the beam? Uh, so Todash is so weird. Okay. So yeah. um, <laughs> the chimes, I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of like a, it's like the sound that you hear when you're transitioning between states. Okay. That's at least as, as much as I'm aware of. I don't know if it signifies like, like precognition or anything. Like I don't know. Right. Really like a vision a, is happening. But I do know that like, the Todash, like Todash is really weird. The Prim is weird. Like all that. Yeah. As, as, far, as far as I'm aware, like the Prim is like the, the, if you think of like the Prim as like an ocean, right? It was like this oceanic, like magical essence that had kind of like infused into everything, right? And then it was receding. And then it kind of like left behind like thinnies and, uh, all this, all this weird shit, and then like oh, the, yeah, right, like, right, the ear, like, the sound, like thing. the okay. the Todash space is like the opposite of that, like the shadow version of that. It, it's I could be super wrong about that. I'm pretty sure what that that's what that is. And then so like the the Todash darkness is like if you get caught in that transitory state, like there's like monsters in there that can eat you and stuff. And like, mm. even when they're under, um, the, when they're under, uh, I think it's castle discordia when Roland and Susanna and Oy are down there, there's like, there's all these doors where there's like weird sounds coming out of them and stuff. Like one totally. of those monsters like slips out of one of those doors and is chasing them. Right. So yeah. you don't want to be in the toad ash darkness, you know? So every okay. time they're crossing through that, it's, it's very dangerous. You know what I mean? They're like basically crossing over an abyss of monsters every time. And I think the chimes are kind of like this weird way of telling you like, Hey, you're in this space right now. So, or you're about to, or you're about to be in this space or whatever. I don't know. Okay. It's space. Is that where the Crimson yeah. King gets sent to is, is the darkness in between? I, I think that's where he is, but also those eyes okay. are still left behind too. I think that was the intention. Um, right. Which is kind of messed up. Honestly. Oh but, yeah, but the Crimson the Crimson King maybe deserved it. I don't know. I can't make that call. Yeah, like well, like I said, it it matches my it's Roland because he was trying to avoid forever, and then he ends up suffering it because he avoided yeah. his cop you're not, path. You're not gonna let that go. No, I'm not. No, I think it's <laughs> I think it's a good theory. Um, 
I'm confused when Mia and Susanna physically become two people. When and how? I don't know if you can even answer the how, but like, when does that happen? Um, so Susanna and Mia were one body until Richard Sayre called them to the Dixie Pig, and then they went through the door to Fettig. So then they were separated into two bodies. So going through the door, they were two people going yeah, out. Yeah, at, at no point while they were in 1999 New York were they ever two bodies. They were, though. They were, they were, it's implied that they were separated when they got to Fettig. Got it. Yeah, Maybe the mechanism was the... They, yeah, they still shared some sort of like mental link. But while they were in Fedek and Mia was giving birth, they were in separate bodies. Got it. Okay. And then the mental link is maybe even strengthened by the machine that they put on. That was really... Okay. I don't know let's why. Just, let's just really quickly kind of glance over this because that I forgot about the whole birth season. Woof. The whole birth scene in this book. And... <laughs> And while I was reading it, I was like, I can't believe that I have the platform that I have and I'm telling everybody <laughs> to go read that. I'm like, this, this series is amazing. And I'm like, man, uh, <laughs> some people are going to be pretty annoyed with me. I can but, see why whatever. you forgot some of those things, like forgot and forgiven, because the rest is so amazing and brilliant. But there is some whack. <laughs> yeah. Like the disgusting. That whole part was really vivid. And there was excruciating detail that like this this woman gives birth to this half spider, half baby thing, and then eating. it like and then it like crawls up and sucks all her juices out of her. And she's like really happy about it. it's just oh god. She's like damn. my chappy. It's like, already yeah. gross. Yeah, it's a lot. Oh, it's a man. lot. So we'll it just we're lot. just gonna bounce right off of that, and it's fine. We you know whatever. I, I it's I stopped eating. I had to come back to my food later. <laughs> so gross. Literally. <laughs> Okay, why was Odetta's grandfather, Moses Carver, selected as a member of the Tet Corporation? Like, I don't, he wasn't in the story. Why is he trusted? Um, so, uh, Moses Carver is uh, Susanna's godfather. So, okay. he's like, he was like her dad's really good friend that had like started um, Holmes Dental along with her dad. I think like a business partner of some sort, godfather, like just like family friend who she was really close with. Um, Remember in Wolves of the Kala when the Katet starts formulating a plan? I think it's after the first time they go through the Todash state, but it, they kind of formulating this plan to get a hold of Moses Carver because he has uh, access to Susanna's inheritance. Right, they and they can use that, that they, to buy the property, right? Yeah, the, the vacant yeah. lot to keep the roads safe and stuff. Uh, that's not quite how it all goes down, um, but that's kind of like, it's it's someone that she trusts, and then when they are talking to John Callum, they're kind of like, "Go find this guy because we still trust him, and he's still got the access to all this stuff, and he can help you found the Tet Corporation." Um, so yeah, I mean, he's just he's a connection to Susanna. He's kind of part of all this. Uh, if you think about it, he's like a, an honorary Cotet member, just like John okay. Callum. Like you know how in this book, um, Eddie. Is kind of like something about that John Colum guy, right? And even Roland is just like, yeah, that guy's important. You know, like we need to, that guy's going to help us. And even John Colum is like, I don't know what it is, y'all, but I'm here. Like, I'm here to help you guys. Like, I don't <laughs> know what's going it. on, but yeah, I'm here. Um, and I think that Moses Carver is kind of the same way, you know? So they're not like quite, it's kind of like with um, uh, Father Callahan. Like, he's not part of the Cotet, but he's kind of part of the Cotet. There's like a larger, like, not as core. Cotet. Yeah, kind of, like Cotet that's adjacent. how I look at it. Yeah, that's how I look at it. At least, like they're involved. They're part of the white. 
they're 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 here they're here to help even stephen king to an extent i feel like uh as a medium through which the tower is telling its own story to keep itself upright or whatever uh stephen king is also part of the white but he kind of wrote himself to be kind of a piece of shit which i thought was really funny totally he's going <laughs out awesome. of his way to make sure he wasn't he wasn't going to be accused yeah, for being self he wasn't going and that's, you know, that was like, my theory and that was my theory in the episode previous is that stephen king had initially maybe had himself as john Colum. And then oh. was like, all right, I got to back up off of that maybe and like not have that be, I got to like invent a whole new character. It's like this, master I, plan corporate yeah, head. Like I'll just yeah, be yeah. like this lazy idiot <laughs> that's telling the story. <laughs> you keep mentioning the white. What is, expound on that a little bit? Um, I don't really. Obviously like the good forces. Yeah, exactly. But like, I think it, it, it almost means like the well-intentioned, the ones that want to keep the universe going. You know, I don't okay. think it necessarily means like gunslingers. I think it's just like, the party in this whole situation that doesn't want to dismantle the tower the ones that the 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 working forces um that understand what's at stake and are working to not let that happen essentially that's what i look at it as like the white is never really explained um but it's like white versus red you know uh, sure, so like there's okay. like the crimson king and like everybody on his end and then there's a certain like duality there but I really loved when Moses gives Roland back the cross that Aunt Talitha gave him. It was just so sweet. Like Roland wasn't expecting it. And it was just, it, it felt to me like almost where Ro- it was like the first time Roland actually kind of felt confident he was going to get to the tower. That's kind of what it felt mm-hmm. like to me where it's like he had this cross and he's like, oh yeah, I need to bring this cross to the tower. That's like another reason on top of, on top of everything else. I uh, Cobb brought me this cross back. Like maybe Cobb's on my side here. It's kind of how right. I, I saw it. Like, I agree with you. Like, maybe I never actually lost or left the path of the beam. I'm still on cause trail. Yeah, he's not supposed to be going to it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah, was his right. first, like, if it felt like he was confident about it with mm-hmm. Talitha's cross. It's like a talisman. I liked that whole New York sequence. Yeah, it was good. The back cool. to New York chapter. Yeah, good. we get a little touchy feelies in there. Like you said, it's kind of his realization and confidence. It's also... Real- it's funny how often Roland gets laid throughout the course of the story. <laughs> I know, it's so funny. Like, he just kind of throws it in there, you know? He's like, and Roland's getting laid again. Yeah. <laughs> but this time it was more like a... It was an interesting way of doing it, because the first night that him and um, Irene Tassenbaum were together, they didn't even have sex. They just kind of, like, no. held each other for a little while. And I thought that was really sweet. Like, Roland just wanted some contact, and he... He like this woman was nice, and you know he just watched Eddie and Jake die. Man. He's not doing great, and not he's just kind of well. like hung out with her. But I love how <laughs> Stephen King just like had to throw in that like this woman just fucking loves Roland. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh man, if I had if I had a, another few days with this guy, I'd take him, <laughs> take yeah. him, ride his dick off. Like, let's go. You <laughs> oh know, like, she's like married. <laughs> yeah like oh my gosh <laughs> whatever it's fine it was just like you had to do it yep you had to do and it there's a point where he even throws in like totally doesn't need to be there but it's like his sizable girthy like talking about like, <laughs> yeah, his, I I was like oh my him. gosh like of course of course Stephen. sure of course <laughs> uh before we move on kind of past this is this kind of ties into everything let's just talk about john column for a second because he was an awesome character and I loved him. I loved John Colum too. Yeah, he's a he's fantastic. He's got that thick Mena accent. Yeah, that we kept being reminded of. 
I love it. I love it. I, yeah, it's it's really fun when Stephen King kind of embraces the whole the, the mana thing. You know, you got to go down to that rod and go to so Kara laughs. I can't do it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can really do it. Don't bury your son in the Indian burial ground. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's from Pet Cemetery. Don't do it. Don't yeah, sometimes, die. sometimes dead is better. <laughs> it's better. It's a weird B-E-T-T-A-H. accent. It is weird because it's not quite like Boston. It's not New York. I was just going to say, I really dislike when someone has, I'm, I shouldn't say annoying voice, but a very different voice. And it's in every sentence. It's like, we get it, you know, allow my imagination to do it. Sprinkle it. Yeah. Brian Jocks does that constantly. Like the molds. You know? So annoying. It's like, like, we get it. Oh, I want a good dig on this so hole and grounded. Dude, can you please not write it like that anymore? <laughs> I think the extent of like how much I'm willing to put up with that kind of stuff is like Hagrid and Harry Potter, like the way that yeah. J.K. Rowling, like that's about as much as of that as I can handle, you know, but like when people write out the accents, I'm right there with you. It's so annoying. Just like, remind me from time yeah, to time. And that's what uh, King does in here. He's like, he has the regular dialogue and then he'll say like road, but it's like pronounced red, like R-U-D. And then it keeps, right. it carries on with the conversation, you know, which is really nice. Yeah. There's, um, there's, I forget the book, but someone, it might even be Brian Jacques, where a character writes really slow or talks really slow. And it's like oh. every word is a like sentence long. And you're like, oh my gosh, I hate this. Okay. I love John Collin for a lot of reasons. The first of which being he just like picks it up. Like he's like finds himself in the middle of a gunfight and he's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Really cool. Um, but then, you know, yes, you can say, King uses very heavily and perhaps even abuses the idea of Ka, just like Ka, you know, um, to answer all the questions. But like, he still asks questions that if you were in that situation, you would want to know. Like, Eddie is just like, like, Roland's like, Ka all the way, whatever. But Eddie's like, why are you doing this? Why are you (laughs) saying yes to all of this? And I really appreciated that he did that and kind of put himself in the mind of someone not Roland yeah eddie is still kind of like all right i'm from this i'm from this kind of world maybe not this exact universe but i'm from here you're acting weird like you're too into this um but he didn't have a problem with it or anything but eddie was definitely just like there's something about this column guy right and yeah i thought that was it was just really i'm gonna use this word enchanting it was enchanting that yes like the way that that Colum and Eddie interacted the way that jo- that Colum and Roland interacted the way that Eddie and Roland together interacted with Colum. It really did feel like he was an honorary quartet member that was, was really wanted to help and was really here for it. Yeah. He's so cool. Yeah. Enchanting was a nice word. And Colum's response was like, well, there's also, you know, kind of feels like someone's just handing you the keys to the, to an en- a big old engine. And wouldn't you want to turn it on and see what it does? <laughs> like- <laughs> I will say I didn't get at all the ending of their time with John where he can't leave this like bubble area and they see this light portal just opening up for, I guess, in the forest and all these like things are going in. They just like run yeah. into this portal and like, that's really, what? yeah, even on my second read through and I was just like, okay, cool. I mean, it's behind number 19 on Turtleback Lane. Fine. That's fine, but like also, yes. come on, like this, just this portal of whatever, whatever. They're going yeah. through it. We got to get them back to FedEx. Who cares? Oh, he kind of does the same thing when they're driving in the car where he's like, and I need them to be over here where Pierre Callahan's dying. So, boom. Yeah. And no, you know what? 
Well, speaking of driving in cars, I kind of want to go over Stephen King's uh, saving or whatever, his rescue, I should say. Uh, I think it's weird that Jake has the touch, right? Jake can mm-hmm. influence the minds of other people. Why do you make that guy pee? Point. Why did they make him pee? Like make him do something to make him make him take a nap. Make him right. have a flat tire. No, I guess he can't really control that. But like make him want to do something other than peeing for 15 seconds and then getting back right. in his car and speeding down the road. Like, come on. Like, come on. Really? I don't right. know. Maybe Jake's touch isn't good enough to make somebody take a nap, but it's good enough to make know. him pee. Like, I don't know. That's Yeah. And then he dies like, for it. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like, couldn't he use his touch to, like, you know, warm the guy before he, like, does the whole thing, like, prevent the whole thing yeah, from Yeah, like, happening? maybe tell him, like, hey, stop the car and, like, sleep it off or, like, sit there for half an hour or whatever, you know, right. go back for more Mars bars. I don't know. Um, yeah, that just felt like if any part of this book felt, like, kind of manufactured and fabricated, it was, like, the portal behind Kara laughs for sure, and then Jake just only having enough of the touch to make someone pee. Like, okay like okay sure but whatever um while you mentioned 19 there on 19 turtleback lane hit me with the 19 juice why 19 i don't get it okay so this is my understanding of it uh first of all stephen king started writing what would become the gunslinger at the age of 19 so that's significant i don't know how important it is but it's significant i think i read somewhere that stephen king's favorite number is 19 and it has been his whole life. So I think he's afraid of 19s. I think I might read be afraid somewhere. of 19s a weird number. So yeah. Hmm. Um, also, okay. So uh, the Keystone world, the world where time only flows in one direction um, is, I think it's associated with the number 19. And I think I'll it might be, either. I think at one point, um, Eddie says something like, this is the 19th level of the dark tower. Um, so yeah. I think here's I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get into this the best that I can. So I think that it's Gan or the Prim or Ka or the Tower or the, the Guardians or whatever trying to tell the Quartet when they need to be paying attention to something, right? So it's like mm. a it's like a way of translating like what world this is to these like humans that can understand numbers and oh. you know what I mean. So it's like a way of kind of they need to keep an eye out and stay aware of anything that has to do with 19 because that's a hint as to like where they need to be it's like a compass you know what i mean it's like this is the direction you're going to want to go pay attention to this i also think that to a certain extent it's king giving nods to the dark tower series and his other work that's related to it you know there's like the number 19 on like license plates and other books and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's kind of a way of like communicating to the reader like this is a nod to the Dark Tower. This is one of the books that's in the Dark Tower universe. You're in the King fandom. It's like a, it's so it's used in a narrative way in this series, obviously, and probably some other books and stuff like in a in like a very sparse, like not subtle. super significant way, subtle kind of way that sheds light on the relation of that book to the series. Or it's just a nice, you know, fan servicey thing. But right. it's like brandy, like it's a brand thing. Yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah, nineteen. It's a, it's a, it's an indication that this is something to do with the Keystone world and they should probably pay okay. attention to it. That's a, that's how I look at it at least. Did you start looking for 19s everywhere? Yeah, actually. That's funny oh, that man. you mentioned that. I wasted that because, some time. You know, you don't want to get into numerology because it will take over. Remember that movie, the number 23 with Jim Carrey? Mm-hmm. Have you seen oh, that movie? Yes. I it's think, weird. Yes. 
it's it's kind of a dumb movie, but at the same time, like a lot of the connections that he makes, it's just. But we do that with everything, so you know we do it. It's like the the blue car thing when you buy right. a blue car, you see nineteen everywhere. But like, yeah, I was watching TV just yesterday, and somebody said like there are nineteen of those, and I was like, oh, is that Dark Tower related? But it wasn't. But maybe it was. Maybe I should do some you research. I don't even remember, I don't even remember what I was. Watching. Oh no, I was watching Game of Thrones, and somebody said there are nineteen castles along the wall but only three of them are manned and i was like george georgie georgie boy mr martin mr rr mm-hmm. R. martin why'd you pick 19 george what I'm are you was. what are you doing is is the dark tower universe connected to oh <laughs> a song of ice gosh. and fire as westeros <laughs> one of the levels of the dark tower I mean, if you think about it every every world <laughs> in an infinite it, universe okay we're getting spacey again it's everywhere everywhere yeah it is uh, all but yeah I was, I was seeing it all the time and I, I did it on my first read through and then i did it on this one too i just stopped myself break. yeah you should probably stop probably yeah because i was literally like a new character would come in and i would like take each one of the letters of their name and figure out what position of the alphabet it was in assign yeah, it the number totally. and then start adding them together and then i put if i like take the first three and add them it goes past 19 but if i take this one i'm like i was finding nines were or 19s where there was no 19 you know yeah 19 is a prime number too so it's kind of like odd it's a weird number it's a weird number prime numbers are weird yeah there's a there's an actual fear of there's a name for the fear of 19 which is why i think stephen king's afraid of it because i read that in relation to him oh uh, i believe didn't know that okay um here's a question for you riddle me this mr i've read tons of stephen king's is and i feel really clever about making this connection maybe is dandello pennywise okay we're here we're here we're at this conversation here okay um yeah this is really interesting and uh, i might go on about this for a little while so please okay yeah um so there's been a lot of speculation about the dandelo character and a lot of people have thought it was uh literally pennywise but stephen king has said that they're two separate entities Okay. though of the same species that comes from the Todash space. So Pennywise is from the Todash space. The the Dark Tower mm-hmm. and it are linked together like they are um what it is one of the books that's connected to the Dark Tower. So a, another interesting thing that kind of lends a lot of credibility to the theory that they're twinners that that Pennywise and Dandelo are twinners is that the robot stuttering Bill like the guy that hangs out around the house and helps with the generator and stuff. Um, he could be the twinner of Bill Denbro, who is one of the main kids in it. And Bill Denbro has a stutter in that book. He's stuttering. Oh. They don't call him stuttering Bill, but it is, a, it is a Bill who stutters. And so that's interesting. And a twinner is like the other side of the, the same coin sort of thing. Is yeah. that like, yeah. Okay. That's a twin. It's like a, it's a yeah, yeah, variation, yeah, yeah. variation. Um, so in an infinite universe, you and I have twinners, you know? Sure. Um, so I also don't want to spoil it for you, Chad, or for anyone listening, but at the very end, there is a turtle uh, involved in the ending of it. And a lot of people, including myself, believe that that turtle is literally Maturin, the guardian of the beam. Um, so there's that. <clears throat> it's a big astral turtle. Uh, it's one of my favorite of scary movies, by the way. I love it. Did the did you see the reboot? Yeah, I love it. It's it's really good. Part one is really good. Part two is not not great. But I never saw one, that one. But oh, part one is awesome. It's really amazing. Good. Yeah, the the ending of it is really weird for a lot of different reasons. Um, 
But yeah, I would also say that the core group of kids in it are Cotet. Like they share a really special bond. And a lot of things in that book sort of line up in weird ways that points to Ka or Gan or whatever. Um, so yeah, it is tied to the Dark Tower. At least I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I was so proud of myself for noticing that because I love the movie so much. So I was like, oh my gosh, I think so. And doesn't it survive off of fear? Whereas the other, his twinner, um, right, survives catch. off of laughter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 So Pennywise and uh, and Dandelo are twinners. Let's just go with okay. that. It's cooler to just be sure of it. So I'm sure. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Um, I love the idea of the Toadash space now that I think it's really confusing. But since you've explained it to me, it's like an infinite. He cre- It's so clever because he created a infinite bucket of bad guys that he oh, can yeah, pull Oh yeah, that's from. um like Ta-da. a. Did, did you Hell. watch that movie, The Mist? Yeah, I did. Uh huh. Okay, like so a long time ago. It's a really good movie. Uh, the one with really the guy good. that plays the Punisher. Um, yeah. Uh, so in the book and in the in the movie, the government, <clears throat> like the mist, is like this creepy that mist that has Stephen a bunch King. of. You didn't know the mist was Stephen King? <laughs> no. Yeah, he's done it all, but Man. um. Yeah, so in that movie and in the book, uh, the government uh, allegedly is like conducting experiments around this small town and it lets in all this mist and then all these monsters come through the mist, right? That's totally. They opened up the Todash space. Oh. So you should reread it or watch it again. And get like, dude, the, that movie, I need to watch The Mist again. That movie's awesome. It's, it's really scary. good. It's yeah, Those monsters are really creepy. Yeah, when they're like, like in the, the grocery, oh, oh man. The ending of that movie is I don't remember the ending. It's how long ago it was. You should watch it again and talk about it with me on the Monday episode. I need someone to watch it with me. I can't watch <laughs> it alone. Is it just me or is this the only book in the series, really, I think, that the voice telling the story like specifically uh, turns to the reader and like directs us directly? Oh, I'm so glad that you noticed that, that too. I'm so happy. I loved it. I loved it so much. It's it's great. It's meta meta on top okay, of the meta. It's, it's meta <laughs> on meta on meta. We're making a meta salad here, everybody. Yeah. Okay, so I really, really enjoyed it because it gave me the impression that Stephen King has, in the book, but also ours, but also all all the yeah, Stephen yeah. Kings has finally like consciously decided to finish the story and like sort of accepting not not just the uh, the story and his finishing it, but the ending as well, and like the reader's involvement in the ending. So he's almost like acknowledging uh, the constant reader. You know, he's he's acknowledging us and he's saying, okay, you're here. I'm here to write this. We're doing this together. And it was absent in the books previous. So at least totally. if it wasn't it, it was so, it was like one time or something like right, that. But right. in this, it happens a lot, actually. It's time. like, it's like, let's go do this now. Let's go look at this now. See this now. And it's perfect. It really is a good representation, in my opinion, of the author, the the writer, the medium of the Dark Tower, finally sitting down and getting the job done and including the reader. It's awesome. It's so that, good. It's brilliant. That's a really good answer because I was like, it was so weird kind of. I liked it because he would give me little insights and he would also like apologize for things. And he'd be like, well, guys, like it was your answer was very good. And it was also an acknowledgement of like, I'm just I'm a victim in this. Yeah, he's part of it. Yeah, it's just as much as you. (laughs) Just as much as Roland, just as much as Susanna and Jake and Eddie and Oi and all the other people that died horribly. 
Right. And like he apologizes for us, like not giving us an answer to Patrick's fate. He's like, who knows? I don't know. But this is the end that I'm involved here. You know, it kind of gives him as the author, like the ability to I think um, like Daniel Handler or like Lemony Snicket does that a lot in the series of unfortunate events books because he's he's writing as Lemony Snicket. I mean, his name is Daniel Handler, but he's he's writing as a I think he's a journalist or like a writer or whatever. But there's a lot of parts in a series of unfortunate events where he kind of like takes you aside as a reader and he's just like you're you're not going to like this but this is how it happened you know and i feel like stephen king kind of does that sometimes too and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a a way of making him as the writer writing the writer he's a character writing the character that he is but he's also a character when we're reading it and he's it's so it's meta on meta it's a meta cheeseburger yeah Okay, well, I'm glad I wasn't. Um, I'm glad that didn't occur the entire series, and I just noticed it at the end because at the end, it's like, man, this is happening a lot, and I love it. But um, and it kind of made his involvement in the story better, in my opinion. Yeah. So when uh, Susanna and Oi and Roland get to like that little village thing or whatever, uh, and they meet the old man um, Collins, I think it was Joe Collins, right? And it says like odd lane, but there's an apostrophe S added to it, right? And like odd lane is a um I can't remember what the word is when when a bunch of letters spell something else. Eh, An anagram? Matter. Hey, anagram, there you go. Nice. Wait, yes. is that what that is? I don't know. Anagram might be the same oh, wait, first I think, as backwards. I, yeah, I, don't I think know. that's what I mean, it doesn't matter. Um so they get there and this really nice old man walks out. And it, it's kind of like, oh, cool. They met a friend. Like, this is great. Yeah. But like, at what point, at what point reading that, did you start to get as suspicious as um, Susanna was? At this point of the story, I was pretty skeptical of everything. Yeah, that makes a lot like, of sense. Like, nothing close <laughs> nothing to the tower. Happen. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know, yeah. so I was pretty like, okay, I've got my, I, I even thought maybe perhaps um, Patrick was evil for a while okay, i was yeah. fully behind roland's decision to not accept the robots trolley trip to the right yeah tower that was a good like, call it's like walking has worked for anybody. us just fine yeah yeah like that thing's gonna be like blaine is back and drive him off a cliff or something you know just <laughs> nope 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 um when did you the first read through i was it was pretty immediate really because yeah. i mean like i'm so i was so in tune with Susanna by that point uh Susanna is just really quick you know uh she sees that horse and there's something about like the horse that doesn't make sense to her it's like starved but like this guy has been eating and like the guy's just like don't worry about the horse like that horse is just all fucked up and she's just like why though what's up with this horse yeah and then just the inside it was it was it was too cozy it was too it was they were sitting and palavering and it was all it was too good and then I feel like once Roland once Susanna saw how much Roland was laughing and even before she thought it was weird I kind of thought it was weird because I was just like Roland hasn't laughed this much this entire book why is he laughing this much now right. you know this is like what he's saying what this guy is saying isn't really that funny like it's kind of I funny, thought he was but... drugged or something yeah yeah that would yeah that would have been kind of interesting but the whole like you know soaking up their laughter thing is way cooler than like poison or whatever totally and like very monsters inc-esque like nice nod 
And with Stephen King, like he finds she finds the letter warning her right in the medicine cabinet. And was that was him just like I I wrote that into the story. His self in Maine was like wrote that in. Yeah, it's interesting because like if he has that much he influence, yeah. Like how much influence does he have? Can he just like transport them directly to the tower or? Right, like they find a door that just takes them to the top of the tower. If you think about, it, I mean, it's like he kind of like broke his own world, but did he though? Because he wrote everything else, and like I don't know. It's like if you think about it, every single thing that they are interacting with was written by him too. So it stands right. to reason that he'd be able. But then it's like, okay, but then why didn't you give them fly. more things that would help them? Like, yeah, right. give them jetpacks or something. Like, right. what do you? I don't know. It's kind of like the Eagles to Mordor thing, you know, totally. where it's like it's because they didn't. You know, like, I don't know. Right. right. <laughs> and like, you know, Stephen even says himself, he's not telling the story. It's being pulled from him. So that's a really the way better point than what I everything I just said to <laughs> like, that's actually the answer to that. So, yes, that, but is, it's a, also that like, is a narrative, like supported answer to that. Question. Yeah, <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> but chat. still, but it's kind of weird that thank you. It's kind of weird that he like. So the story that it was pulled from him had him breaking. It's I don't know. It's it's deep, man. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities between Pierre Callahan and Ted Brautigan. <laughs> oh, Ted Brautigan? Brautigan, yeah. Yeah. And Ted mentions that Jake has an uncanny resemblance to someone he knows. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about thing. that. Who is that? I don't know what the Did hell I miss that, that was. I, I, the whole Algo Siento part was not my favorite. It's probably my least favorite part of the whole um like the build up to it like ted starts telling a story and it's just like holy shit dude are we doing another one of these like i got I know it's like story like the, in a story like the, the first time i read through this i was like this guy better tell like a page long story i can't do another like 200 pages <laughs> of somebody doing something else like come on man like we're at the <laughs> end can we please not do this right now then thankfully it was pretty short um but yeah i don't know that part was just like kind of boring it was cool to see shimi again um mm -hmm. poor shimi by the way too like yeah. that's a, that's another really good example of how ruthless roland can be because there was a part where like shimi dies and roland was like yeah i knew that was going to be the last time he was going to be able to do that i knew he was going to die and it's like dude come on man like, like god whoa. you're such an ass like you're so isn't doesn't any of this make sense to you roland aren't you wondering why everybody keeps dying like right like read the room man like you're not supposed to be here when he asks for the child of roderick even ted's like well will you kill him if he doesn't like He's, he's like, he's like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, yes, like right away. Oh, jeez. But yeah, that whole part, um, the Algo Siento part, um, there's so many characters that are just kind of it's like a flash, they're just there, and there's like a name, and you read over it, and it's like, all right, I guess, and then it's probably got some significance, but there's so much like there's so many new faces and so many new terms, and then we're in yep. Algo Siento with the people that are running the place and they're talking about random shit that doesn't matter, and it's like, dude, this is so much like we're we stagnant again. chapters from them yeah like, it, wow it felt like um the most stagnant part of the book which i mean i really love this book i it's it's one of my favorite dark tower books but mm -hmm. it's just that part but and it's funny because it's so much stagnation before a really cool part which is them freeing the breakers and stuff and then mm -hmm. eddie dying and it's a climactic and good and it fits and it's necessary it needs to happen um but yeah the whole part before that is just I don't know. There's just like a lot of talking and a lot of like, like Susanna talks to Roland for a little while and then like Eddie talks to Roland for a little while and like Eddie talks to Jake for a little while. And I think it felt like, stagnant to you 
because it was the second time because i didn't it felt stagnant a little but like i was so like what finally the i thought the breakers were machines this whole time they're actually people you know and it's like i was so like curious they're like living in luxury too yeah that was a pretty interesting part about that whole thing too is that the breakers are like they know what they're doing it's like you'd think that people that were trying to end the universe would not find that many people to be on their side for it but yeah they, i don't know if like every single person in algol santo knew what was going on but a lot of them did maybe it's like people are so willing to give up their freedom and even eventually their life for safety and security and like a, a, a like the unknown. universe I know, you know like right? if you like like what like how how what does your life look like when you're like and i'm sure that there are people that think that that are in a place where they feel like who cares like let the whole universe die like i'm not saying that that's invalid or doesn't happen or anything like that but i thought i thought that the sheer amount of people that they found that were down yeah, there were you know also I mean? wizards like, yeah it's um oh, yeah, never explained like what they're doing like, too like how are they breaking all right so the thing with the breakers i can just kind of like explain that whole thing real quick oh if you perfect want. um okay so they're all they're Very like satisfied tele- <laughs> they're like telepaths right right um, wizards and they've been like yeah so they've been they've been brought together by agents of the crimson king and the leaders of al ghul siento like this this kind of compound are feeding them pills or like medication or something yeah which, kids brains yeah it's the kids brains and everything so it's like they're so telepathic and their abilities are so enhanced that they're able to like telepathically break the beams and it's just not really explained you know, okay. Um, so, is, what does that look like? Is that like they're reaching down there and like breaking? Okay, off so that's chunks? the thing. That's the thing um, <laughs> that that I've come to accept about Stephen King that like you haven't just maybe haven't read enough Stephen King or like he <laughs> some shit just like happens. You know what I mean? Like in eleven twenty two sixty three, this guy is able to travel back in time because he's just he just stands in a specific spot in a diner. You know what I mean? And it's not explained at all. Like there's no, there's no like, oh, like what chemical compound are you using to like manipulate time and stuff? There's like a little portal right here or something. It's like literally it, he just finds it and it just puts him back in 1958. And that's, we're moving on. And Mm. I think that with, uh, he has a tendency to do that kind of stuff where it's like the breakers break the beams because they're telepaths. And that's just the reality of what's going on. So we don't really need to get into like, why they're doing that or no not why uh how they're doing that uh specifically because it really wouldn't i mean it's like if you're reading a science fiction book do you really want to know like exactly how the spaceships like fly or do you want to see them fly you know what i mean like do we need it's like when you complain about tom clancy like endlessly describing the inside of a submarine it's just like dude like what the hell like we don't don't need to know all this and it is kind of it would be kind of extra information that would be interesting but not necessarily needed for an attack on al Siento. but by that same logic stephen king why do we have POV chapters from like these dudes inside of it. Like, I don't know. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. Like, we're getting to know <laughs> like them. He's and so, like, he's so good at like making sure that you don't have the information that's like unnecessary. But then he piles on like pages and pages and pages of stuff that doesn't uh, matter either. So, and sometimes yeah. I think feel like it's just to, just to gross us out. Like, I literally almost threw the up. Pimple eating thing. When one offered like his like pimple juice yeah, to the other. Yeah. Oh, that was gross. Yeah. Ugh. 
I was, yeah. I can't even say it. Like, it was just so disgusting. I know. Like, look at me, like, saying, like, oh, Stephen King likes to avoid things that are, like, not necessary. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? That so much of this wasn't necessary. <laughs> and the way he was, like, so, like, yeah. stoked on it. Oh, my gosh. It was the most, even thinking about it now, like, has the bile rising in my throat. Yeah. I, okay. I understand where you're coming from. It's like, sometimes things just are. And, you know, but, like, even telepathy is weird, right? Because it's like, I guess it implies that the beam is sentient adds to the whole tower thing because telepathy is like mind to mind powers right so like xavier so yeah kind of i guess that's just like what you're supposed to i don't know it's I weird. guess I it's know. weird but maybe i don't know maybe there's a better explanation but i haven't found it so, so like lobotomizing the tower sure yeah okay <laughs> okay okay sure sure that's sure it. one thing about al Siento that i really liked was one we did need a scene of action in that book we couldn't have all of it not be you know um, well, I guess the whole front hundred pages was wild, so never mind. It's hard for me to remember that the whole chase scene with Jake in the is in that book, because so I think it should be the end of the last book. Oh, you mean like the overlap from Song of Susanna yeah. into the Dark Tower? Yeah, like it That's, seems like Song I kind of mentioned should have ended with him at the door. Yeah, I kind of mentioned that in the episode previous, where like the first like I don't know two hundred pages of this yeah. book, or like maybe not that much, but a lot of it is. Like almost a recap, not really a recap, but just what should have probably been in Song of Susanna. The climax of the previous story, kind of. Yeah, it's like you he know? put the climax of Song of Susanna in the beginning of this book. Yeah, I yeah, kept forgetting that I was at the beginning of a book. I was like, how? And like, dinosaurs? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that part, actually. <laughs> I the the mind thing or whatever. Yeah, the, the mind trap. It gave, some, it gave some cool, like more backstory to Jake when he was like watching that stuff and it freaked him out and like yeah that's a that's cool it's a nice yeah. effect it's a good booby trap for like right before you go through a door into another place and yeah that was that was a nice touch that was good totally however i thought it was like a little weak that it was like they weren't actually there it was like your brain will rip you up like okay <laughs> i guess the power of belief you know you mentioned a few minutes ago about you know why we were kind of talking and laughing about like why the breakers are breaking when they're ruining everything and there is one line that i thought was pretty clever that king does include which is ted being like god help us we've been working ever since and god forgive us most of us have been happy because the only thing talent wants is to be used and i thought that was a pretty oh, good line yeah yeah know? actually now that you mentioned it that, i think there was a line destroying the universe but no i mean i i think that um now that you mentioned it i think there was a line that was like they were like high off of it or something like that which kind of it is is in line with what you're saying um I don't yeah, know if it was the sense. breakers, but it was the can toy. They get above the breaker room where the breakers are doing the breaker breaking, and like the the breaking juice floats up and makes them all hot. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's good kind of, feelings. What the hell is going on? Like, right, and it's kind of implied that might be Ted like throwing up there to like distract them. I don't know. It gets weird. <laughs> it gets real weird. See, now, the, the thing with book seven is that it's so much, and it's so much faster than books five and six in my opinion like it's just one thing after another except there is one part that i wanted to talk to you about okay which is the chapter hides where roland and Susanna are just cold <laughs> like they're just oh. that's the chapter they're cold i know you would like forgot about it for a second <laughs> It it's a whole mean. chapter it's got a chapter name and everything and i'm sure obviously it's significant it's the last it's the last time that like roland and Susanna are like bonded 
you know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they're actually they're content broke, but you know what I'm saying. Um, totally, it's like a nice. It's, it's almost sad. like a nice time. Yeah, it was just sad and like miserable. Yeah, and Susanna really misses Eddie. Jake's not there. It's but super the good cold. Stuff is gone. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really like that chapter very no, much. It's like, dude, you probably could have skipped over that. Like, he's kind of, you could have just said like, they 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 killed the deer and got some hides right. and, and they're cold and like Susanna uh, learned how to make leather like, stuff. Yeah, like eighty pages <laughs> yeah. shorter, but it's fine. Right, like Barbara learned learning how to make leather clothes now in the last part of the last book. Okay, whatever. Susanna, I don't know. I felt I didn't like her leaving at all. Like I've I've. Oh yeah, we can talk it. about that. Yeah, I've corrected it in my own brain with my own theory of that he has to go through the his journey two more times. With the final one, she doesn't leave, and he goes with her the whole way from the beginning to the end with Susanna. But like, I don't know. It's just like all of a sudden she's there. It's mentioned earlier. Like if he dies, Susanna is so driven she will go on and carry the way to the tower without him. And yeah. like then all of a sudden she's just like screw you they kind of get into a little bit of a fight and she's just like death follows you everywhere which is like i get it um you know and it makes sense with my theory but she's just like you know throws in his face and jake died twice and then she's just like i'm out yeah i can see how you'd think that that was out of character for her and yeah. it's I, I suppose to a certain extent it is but also uh susanna hasn't been presented with an actual opportunity to leave um and the cotet is broken so this is the first opportunity that she's had to actually escape out of here and like maybe go find Eddie. There's no more Kef being shared here, right? Like, right. The, and she the realizes they was... did what they set out to do, I guess. Okay. I don't know if she realizes that like consciously, but I think that part of Susanna knew, and I think I, I kind of touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but part of Susanna knew she, she wasn't needed anymore. There was nothing else she could do. She's gone as far as she needs to go. It's time for her to leave. You know, and yeah, Roland begs her to stay because I think it's so it's so wild that you came up with that theory because I've literally never seen it before. But it's really interesting to think that maybe Roland, some part of him knew he wasn't supposed to do this alone and he needed her and Oi was going to die because Mordred was still out there mm -hmm. and it would have been Susanna and Roland. Maybe maybe the only reason Roland keeps getting transported is because he keeps showing up to the tower alone. That's so, cause like what would be in those rooms if it was both of them? Is it like right. the, is it like the mirror of era said where like whoever's looking into it, see something different. Oh, yeah, yeah, or, like, yeah. What if they both look at it at the same time? Like those rooms get really weird or what does the tower transport them all to New York so they can all drink hot cocoa? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And it's like the wow, only reason he wants to get to the tower is kind of a self-serving, right? Like they did what they set out to do was save the tower. I didn't even realize this till you told me like after Al Ghul Siento, they're done. But it's like, you're right. And because I was like mad at her, but I'm like, you're so close to doing what you set out to do. No, they're not. They already did it. Now he's just trying to like answer the question for his own sake. It's self-serving. And there is a really special significance in that Susanna doesn't get killed. Jake, Eddie, Oi, and and right. um, you know, Jake and Eddie and Oi all get killed, but Susanna leaves, right? Mm -hmm. And so Roland getting upset that Susanna is leaving, dude. Your theory is pretty sound. Dude, like that's you. very sound theory. Yeah, because like what else would prove to the tower that Roland had learned his lesson? It would be bringing someone with him. Right. But but also there's I have a little bit of a refutation there because like that was his plan. 
like like Roland's plan wasn't to go to the tower alone. Roland's plan was to go to the tower no matter what. But those are two different things. True. Right? He didn't. He never told the cop that he needed to go alone, which is interesting too. So yeah, there's a whole lot to that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was Susanna's mistake because it was self-serving of her to leave to go find. Yeah. Maybe she was the one who messed up his final. <laughs> what did you think about um, Susanna showing up in a different dimension with a different, the technically different Eddie and Jake and Oi? Okay, I, I, d- like I don't know. I'm hoping that I, I was going to be able to ask this before you got to it because I was going to take your answer and make it my own because half of <laughs> me thinks it's kind of a cop out like the end of Harry Potter was like he's dead he would sacrifice himself like, for everything really, but like yeah. not really and he's like I don't know kind of removes the power of the actions and the sacrifice maybe it doesn't break the world but it's kind of weird it's like so is she in that world somewhere and she's not going to be happy like the other one of her because she won't ever find the people that she's supposed to be with or like maybe it's a world where she was never born yeah because it would be some obviously yeah i I guess so i guess there is some words that she's never born huh yeah yeah because roland there's not a bunch of rolands maybe though maybe though she was from the key world so there's only ever one of her like there's no other Rolands. oh yeah interesting yeah huh i didn't think about that yeah i don't know though i i thought it was it was the ending that i wanted but it was the ending like this story didn't be- it, it quickly became once I started thinking about it more than what I wanted. And it was like the point and the lessons that King was making, which I loved a lot more than the happy ending with uh, Susanna in New York, like that ch- the epilogue, the chapter. I think I understand why Eddie and Jake didn't quite recognize Susanna, but something about Eddie knew that he loved her. That's very nice. That being said, I think it, I wish that. Eddie and Jake would have just recognized her immediately. That would have been great. It, yeah. it, it really like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, just do it, man. Just, just have them, yeah. just like have them all be there and like Eddie and Jake beat death or whatever. And it wouldn't have made sense with like a lot of the way everything else makes sense in this in this book. But like as a fan and Call as somebody, yeah, serious. That's a good way. God, <laughs> just like throw them a bone. And and Cod did if you think about it. Um, True, but. I just, I don't know, like Eddie just being like, oh, I, I love you, but I don't know who you are. It's like, come right. on, man, just like have them be the same guys. Like, let's, right. let's party, you know, like hot, hot cocoa. Like, let's you go. already did it. I, do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fine. It's, yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. Fine. I, I but it's like, it's not that. really Eddie and Jake, but it is. Eddie right. And Jake. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And she's like already forgetting. She's like, I'll tell you one day, honey. It's like, no, you'll tell me now why I've been going crazy. Like you wouldn't <laughs> let that sort of mystery sit. But then she's like, I'm already forgetting myself. So maybe I won't even know. And it's like, no, dude, have the content live on. If you're going to make but a they happy do. ending, give it to the content yeah. does live on. But it's like not them. They don't have their din. Yeah. And like, where always, where is it going to come from? It would have been so cool if Stephen King was just like, all right, whatever. Roland, when he goes up to the tower, he's transported to New York too, and they all hang out forever. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> maybe that's the, the ending I like wanted. Thanksgiving dinner, like but, two years in the future. Like I said, like I said, me not being happy with a perfectly resolved ending is the point of all of this. It's the point of yes. it, you know. And I keep forgetting it because I'm so conditioned to want everything so lined up, and up. so buttoned up, and so perfect and it doesn't have to be like that yep. it can be the way that stephen king wrote it man what a brilliant man god damn 
it's like a fairy tale and it's the farthest thing from a fairy tale that there's ever been. It's all stories. And it's also none of those stories. It has a happy ending and one of the most tragic, sad, heart wrenching endings of all time. Like everyone must pick everyone forces you to pick a lane when you write a story. Steven did not do that. He made his own and he blends all stories. It's kind of like colors, right? It's like red and it's green. Yes. It's from other stories, but they blend together and now they're making yellow and it's like a totally different thing that is fresh. And like I said, if there's anything that's close to truly original, I think this was it because he wrote everything and nothing. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can't create in a vacuum. Obviously you're going to take influence from other things, but this is wholly different from any other series that I've read. I'm going to ask one last question because I love ranking things. That's my thing, apparently. And then we're going to take off soon and we're not going to be doing the Dark Tower anymore, but we still have one more Dark Tower book. Oh, that's true. The Wind Through the Keyhole. So we're not going to get, we're not going to say goodbye yet. Okay. We're, we're, we're still at security. We're not going to the gate and saying goodbye yet. Okay. So we're in the airport, but we still, still have some time. Beating heart. We still have some time. So let me just ask you real quick. Um, how would you rank all seven of these? They all tell the story exactly <laughs> how they should in the way that they should. Man, it's funny. I like this series like a whole far lot as more like, after finishing it. Yeah, the ending no, really absolutely. adds a lot. Yeah. Um, like just just go for it. Like pure enjoyment, not okay, like enjoyment. quality or like this whatever. Just like as however much you enjoyed it. Let me grab my uh, box set. I think my least favorite, and it pains me to say this because, like I said, they all—it's implied that you love them all. Yeah, it's cool. This is my least favorite. Me, my least favorite was the Gunslinger. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of people's least favorite for sure. It turns people off from reading any more at all. Yeah, which is, uh, like I said, I think Stephen's built-in mechanism to like weed out the the not worthy. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) He's like, if you can't get through two hundred pages of awesome prelude then whatever you know you you don't know you're not you're not ready for it not ready to end your looping of the power journey the next one is the drawing of the three interesting that was your second least favorite one yeah the story huh. just i didn't have the emotional connection right to the that characters. makes sense yeah it's like the very beginning of the quartet you know there's no fruit for yeah. me to pull off that tree yet so it's just kind of just but I can weird. see why you'd think it's better than the gunslinger. It's like weirder and like more. Yeah. Of a, there's more of things going on. Yeah, there's a yeah. few gunfights. Yeah, know, like totally. a naked gunfight, which is awesome. I thought that was really totally. cool. The next one was Song of Susanna. Okay. Yeah. It was just if the first 200 pages of the Dark Tower was in Song of Susanna, that it would be a, maybe one higher. Yeah, maybe. I can see that for sure. But it was just kind of a lot, and the, it was really sad too because it was like the kata is separated. And I always hate when the problems with books are like interpersonal, like the group is mad at the group, you know, which wasn't oh, this. Yeah. But I like the group. It's together, like inevitable, you know? though, you know? Yeah, totally. Following that, okay, this is where it gets really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to say The Dark Tower. This is like the middle, the middle book. Yeah, like, the middle one. The, the like, final one is, is in this slot interesting but it's also why i have i hold this whole thing in so much higher regard like i didn't truly love it and see it for what it is until the end and so it's like totally i love that aspect so that's that's a sacrifice i'm sacrificing the last like 40 pages of that book 
than the wastelands oh yeah for sure because man that book (laughs) that's where things get real yeah it gets real and i really loved the city sequence when they get into the city the whole thing was and then even when they leave the city too like the you see the wastelands yeah Yeah, you go shooting out over them like all above and the technology it was an exercise in imagination and insane weirdness that was so cool um, and then ends with that, like, what's going to happen? We're about to go into a riddle off, which is always fun. After that, we have Wolves of the Kala. Okay. I love That's your second favorite one. It's my second favorite one. Okay. Yeah. I like stories that are simple. Yeah. Maybe not simple, but like, we're it was pretty simple. all yeah. over the place. Straight, yeah. We're just like in one spot. Yeah. We're There's solving one problem. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. Exactly. Yeah. We get to know some new people that are good guys. I, I really like that. Yeah. Also, there's the the quartet really blooms. Jake kind of comes yeah, into himself. Yeah, they get really close. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's a lot of really good reasons for that. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Um, oh, also, can we just take a side sidebar here to picture Jake with the Arises? Uh, I uh, loved him the with the bag of sharp plates. So good. Okay. Uh, final favorite one being, and I haven't read, read one through the keyhole, so who knows? Ask me then. But the wizard, uh, wizard in glass. Was my favorite. That's a lot of story within a story. That's a fantastic book. Yeah, and again, it was just about one thing, one story. It's so funny how a lot of people's favorite book is Wizard and Glass, and it's like not even about the contest story. Yeah, yeah. It's It's like Cuthbert's one of my favorite characters of the whole story, but he was only in that book, you know. (laughs) Cool. That's a good order. That's a. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. You're going to have to uh, tell me yours. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll do it really quickly. Okay, um, well, I want to know the reasons too, though. Uh, okay, I can give you the reasons. Yeah, take your time. Well, yeah, we're on podcast. It's fine. Yeah, it's not two in if, the morning. If you're still with us, I mean, you you did the whole series. Like, it makes sense. Like, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. This Super could be the longest episode of Book Reviews Kill ever recorded. My butt actually hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sitting. laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> so I'm going to go from uh, the book that I liked the least to the book that I liked the most. Okay. So for me... The bottom one is Wolves of Akala. It wasn't. It was my least favorite the first time I read Wait. it. It was my least favorite the second time I read it. Yeah, I don't what? know. Like it's just like it, it's it's way too many new characters this late in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it felt like it was so much talking and plotting, and then a pretty weak ending. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it was felt, a lot of build up. It felt way too long. You know, I didn't care about this village at all. I didn't care about Colibrin Sturgis. I didn't care about the kids. I didn't okay, care what's about your problem? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it's number five. Uh, still awesome, obviously. Um, then after that is the Gunslinger. Um, okay. Yeah, it's. I feel that. I mean, like, I think it's weird and cool, and it's got like a. I don't know why, but I can't separate the Gunslinger from Afro Samurai, like. I have those like the those two aesthetics like kind of locked in place for myself. Yeah. Um, this you, you see what I'm saying? Like Oh, for sure. It's like this yeah. despairing post-apocalyptic. Yeah, and it's like this loneliness. guy wandering through it and stuff. And there's like the cowboy kind of like element to Afro Samurai, which is really like the saloon totally. type which element. I love Afro like Samurai, when, by the way. Oh my god, it's incredible. I fucking so love Afro Samurai so much. But like when Afro goes into that saloon and like orders lemonade you know it's like it's very similar to roland kind of going in um and like the first time that i read the gunslinger i was like 20 or something 
because I've read The Gunslinger three times now. Oh, wow. Uh, I read The Gunslinger as like a standalone when I was like 20 or 21 or something. Oh, that's um, terrible. Yeah, I mean, I still thought it was cool, but I, I had watched Afro Samurai like for the first time, like right before I read it. So it's kind of always locked in place for me. But yeah, The Gunslinger is it's awesome. It's just not it's um it's so I don't know how to put it. It's I can see why it puts people off because it's lonely and you don't know what the hell is going on or why anything's totally. happening or anything. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a fever dream. It's a fever um, dream. Totally. So then after The Gunslinger, fifth place is Song of Susanna. Uh, I like Song of Susanna. I didn't like it as much this go around as I did on my first time, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, for a lot of the same reasons that you had, you know, it's um, it felt like the ending could have been stronger. the The Susanna Mia chapters were kind of confusing. Like, I didn't really know, like, when they were in Fedig together the first time, when like Mia gave Susanna like some weird vision of Fedig or what. It's just. A lot of like really kind of yeah. ethereal parts to it that I was like, what the hell is going on? And then like when like Roland I'm not sure and, if I'm in someone's brain or in the real yeah, world, whatever then, that like, means. And then Roland and Eddie meet up with Calvin Tower and um Aaron Deep now. And that was like seriously one of the most boring parts of the entire series is when they're talking they're like talking about them like starting a company and like Microsoft and like all this dumb shit. And, I was, and it's very important, obviously, but I was just like, good, can we roll this right. along? Like, We're in a fantasy novel. Like, We're checking our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So then in fourth place is uh, Drawing of the Three. I love Drawing of the Three. Um, Eddie and Roland first meeting is amazing. Like Eddie getting Roland like the Pepsi and Roland drinks it and he's like, Oh my god, it's so sweet. Oh my. he's like a hot dog and he calls sandwiches popkins and stuff. And he's on a like the plane sequence was so exciting when Eddie's got all that cocaine strapped to him and Eddie's all fucked up and he's like he's addicted to drugs and stuff and he comes through and, and his um reaction to Roland is really cool. And then Susanna coming through, that whole sequence was so awesome. Like getting introduced to Susanna was great. And there's no Jake at all in that book, which is why it's a little oh, yeah. bit lower on the list. It's like there should be Jake. Uh yeah. and so yeah, uh, I really like drawing the three a lot. I think it's Man, great. I, now you're saying all those things. I loved every one of those <laughs> things, you know. Yeah. Um all right. So then in third place I have the dark tower book seven nice uh it's so good it's just so epic for all the reasons that we just talked about on this episode it's the keystone it's, yeah and uh it kind of got bumped up on my second read through because i got to think about it a lot more i got to talk with you about it a lot more and yeah it's uh it's a very very good ending to the series uh, especially after two books that are okay but they're like not my favorites you know yeah um, and then i think it rounds out like in a really good way and if a book's going to be this weird, it better have like something. There better be some some meaning to the weirdness besides it's just weird. And that's what the Dark Tower did. And then in second place is Wizard and Glass. Uh, it's funny because Wizard and Glass was my least favorite. Oh, no, no, it's uh, right above Wolves of the Color. Because um, I think Wolves of the Color was my least favorite the first time, too. Wow. Um, but Wizard and Glass was way down the list my first time through this. Yeah, Wizard in Glass, um, the second time through, I appreciated so much more of Roland's uh, story with Susan Delgado. I think it's because I knew that it was going to end at some point. Uh, <laughs> and I just, I felt so much more connected to Roland's backstory after reading Wizard in Glass and knowing how the whole story ends and what he's headed towards and what he's left behind and everything. It's just amazing on the second read through. Um, and then, yeah. Book one, I, the first book on my list, top of the list, is The Wastelands. It's 
incredible. It's one of the best books Stephen King has ever written. It's, in my opinion, it's King in top form. It's everything I want out of a Stephen King book. The content is formed. We get Jake, you know, we find a boy. There's the whole part with Jake coming through the door with the house monster and everything, the giant cyborg bear. Peak weird, it's, peak it's, awesome. It, and then Blaine, the city of Lud. River Crossing was great. I really like the river cross crossing scene. Um, I oh, think river crossing village. was, yeah, I think river crossing was done better than Colibri and Surges personally. And I know I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for that, but I don't care. Uh, yeah, I agree. The, the wastelands is the best dark tower book in my opinion. Um, uh, but they're all the best dark tower book. I mm-hmm. know that it sounds cheesy, but I love every single one of these books, even wolves of the color, which, <laughs> which I kind of shit on all the time, but it's funny. Cause it was like my third one or something. I, I know forget. it's like, you really loved it. <laughs> well, I, yeah. And then, you know, as I, as I, you, as when you were saying your list, I wanted to like change mine so many times, you know, and yeah. I feel bad now having wizard and glass be my second favorite. Cause it's like not even really the story. It's like, I feel bad for, for my friends, Jake. Oh, I mean, having it be Eddie. your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I feel guilty that it's my favorite one. Cause it's not even really the story. No, you but know? That's how much you enjoyed it. It doesn't matter. It's it. like, yeah. But, um, wow. I think we got to wrap this up, Chad. You know, as we've, said many times there is always like another loop of the story this story literally um and eventually we have to end some way we can keep digging and digging and we will probably never get to china on this one but uh man it has been a pleasure reading through it with you evan uh i absolutely loved it it was if if anything could have augmented my read through of this book it's sitting here with you talking about all of these and especially you listening thank you for being here while we go through this and i hope that you had just as much fun and were weirded out just as much as we were and i hope you cried and man man it's uh send us some emails if you have some sweet theories please yeah unfortunately we're not gonna be able to get stephen king on the podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) he he says no to everybody apparently he hasn't responded to my email he's he's a he's a pretty famous person so he was on the simpsons for fuck's sake so you know that um but yeah everybody i can't thank you enough for being here with us and sharing kef with us and going on this turn of the wheel of ka with us i am so this is a very bittersweet moment because i'm excited to move on to some other stuff there's a lot of books we need to tackle this year and um, I think we're going to read some really good stuff, but I knew this was going to hurt. I knew it was going to hurt. Uh, I put hurts. off reading the last hundred pages of the dark tower for like five days when I could have just pounded it out in like an hour and a half, but I really didn't want to say goodbye to these characters. And um, the hangover from this series is going to be pretty intense because we've been reading the dark tower for the last like month and a half, almost two months. And yeah, I knew, I knew it was going to be rough. This is the roughest one, actually, of all the ones that we've read this year. Absolutely. And, uh, and I wouldn't ah, have said that like a couple days ago. I was like kind of ready to be done with the towels. Like, you know, yeah. I'm ready to move on. But now no, that I see it you. for what it is. You got hit. You got hit hard. I love it. I got hit yeah. hard, man. I got hit hard. But, you know, if there's anything that will be my medicine moving forward is the companion is my is my own quartet. You and all of our listeners. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We still have one more Dark Tower episode to do, which is the Wind Through the Keyhole, so stay tuned for that. We'll be moving on to more series this year, quite a few more series, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, okay. Uh, Dude, I know we have to do this again after um, 
that went through the keyhole. Like, oh my uh, God. That's going to be really it's bad. Hard. Okay. Okay. Let's just do it. Let's just do it right this time. Okay. We're just okay. going to say goodbye. Uh, long days and pleasant nights, Chad. May you have twice the number. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.